Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Wednesday, September 13th, 2023. We have had quite the weekend. It's the first official weekend of the NFL. We had an interesting weekend for especially Collins, Alabama, Crimson Tide. Uh, but, uh, of course, there's so much to talk about. And, Colin, I just kind of want to get a gauge on how you're feeling after this weekend. Saturday, awful. Sunday, much better. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. At least you have the Falcons, who probably won't be that good. We saw how Desmond Ritter played, but we'll get into that. Uh, Nonetheless, today we've got quite a few things to go over. Of course, our NFL Week 1 recap, going through every single final score from the weekend. And then we'll have our NFL Week 1 overreactions. So, Whatever crazy thoughts you have for the rest of the season, purely based off of what we saw in week one. And then we'll do our MLB recap, as always, MLB questions from Reddit. And then we'll run back the uh, college football weekend recap, new AP poll, next week's best matchups in college football, and then round it out with stake your claim. Colin, you ready to get into NFL week one? Yeah, let's talk about these horrible games that we had <laughs> all right well it all starts with thursday night's game me and me and luke talked about them a little bit um on last friday's episode but overall lions win it 21 20 against the chiefs and their no-handed wide receivers yeah i mean just the offense of the kansas city chiefs the chiefs was just atrocious without Travis Kelsey. You could definitely yeah. tell Patrick Mahomes was missing his guy. Yeah, it, it was very evident and doesn't help that their leading, uh, the leader in receptions was Isaiah Pacheco with four. Um, Kadarius Tony had one reception on five targets. Sky Moore had zero receptions on three targets. And it just seemed like no one could catch the ball. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at it, uh, it seems like they were just trying to force it too much there toward the end of the game. Like, So their couple run attempts that they had were great. Pacheco ran hard, effective. Hilaire, Clyde Edward Hilaire uh, did okay, yeah. but Pacheco looked good. So I don't yeah. know why they tried to like trail away from that because it was, it was a close game overall. But uh, some of the choices Andy Reid made was just bad. Yeah, and I think a lot of that probably goes to Matt Nagy. I'm pretty sure he's the one calling the plays on the offense, but I think people did forget that they changed offensive coordinators. We've been so used to Eric Bieniemy in this kind of Kansas City Chiefs dynasty that we've been seeing over the course of these years, and it's always been Bieniemy at OC. Now we have Matt Nagy at OC, and there are some subtle differences to this offense. But obviously the biggest thing is that Travis Kelsey's out. One of the greatest tight ends of all time is not playing, and the guy is essentially one of the best wide receivers in the league. So not having him on your team is obviously going to hurt, but it makes it that much worse when the guys that you're looking to in his like to kind of fill his role, to fill his targets, aren't catching the fucking ball. Like Kadarius Tony's drops were abysmal. Like the one, he's wide open. He's got the breakaway speed. It probably would have been a touchdown if he caught that ball. Yeah, and it just, that, that... oh, it hits his hands. He just drops it. 
Yeah, especially that last one in the fourth quarter. He's wide open in the middle of the field. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, they would have won that game if he catches that ball. Yeah. 100%. And then, uh, rookie out of Alabama, Brian Branch, gets his first career pick six off of, I believe it was a drop from Kadarius Tony as well. Yeah, he uh, tried to, like, catch it to the side, just slipped right through the hands, and took it to the house. Yeah, it just absolutely crazy. And then when you look at the Lions side, like, they didn't play, like, a perfect game. Jared Goff had his normal performance, which is 250 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. That's just his line. But the the Chiefs were also obviously missing the presence of their best defensive tackle. He was sitting up in a box watching the game happen. Yeah, that's well. They they just signed him to a one year, right? Uh, I don't I don't know. Did they? I think I think okay. I saw that they signed him to a one year. Super small, but he has incentives throughout the season okay. based on how he plays. Good. But like you said, with him missing, Detroit was able to exploit that with their run game. David Montgomery looked really good. Yeah. Since Jameer Gibbs looked good. Jameer Gibbs had an open touchdown if he wouldn't have slipped on yeah. the outside. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I just, I'm very surprised they gave Dar- uh, David Montgomery 21 carries and only gave Jameer Gibbs seven carries. Like, it seemed like Jameer Gibbs just was not on the field in the second half after he came out and looked very good to start the game. Yeah, it's it's something we don't know. I mean, I guess David Montgomery just showed that, you know, that veteran presence yeah and was able to run run hard and run effective uh but no, I, I still think we'll see Jameer Gibbs plenty throughout the season in that backfield if not the slot yeah I think they're just kind of easing him in right now but my thought is like Jamison Williams is out for you know the first third of the season or whatever it is six games and why not let Jameer Gibbs line up in the slot a little bit? Like, like you don't have to take David Montgomery off the field if you don't want to, but leave the option of Jameer Gibbs on the field because we know he's an elusive player. He can make plays out of nothing. Like, his two receptions were pretty successful. Eight yards on one of them, two yard, or ten yards on the other, and then his runs were also great. Seven carries, 42 yards. Like, there's nothing wrong with how he played, and... and I just don't understand why they like why they didn't feel the need to just let him free. Like David Montgomery did well. 21 carries, 74 yards and a touchdown is totally fine. But you know he's a non-factor in the passing game. So why not have Gibbs on the field when you know for a lot of those plays where you know you're passing? Yeah, I don't know. I think we're going to see more of that. But like you said, rookie Thursday night first game of the whole season want to ease him in because that's a big stage especially yeah. going up against the Chiefs but now I, I I loved uh Detroit's defense though yeah they, that, they that look D-line. very improved Aiden Hutchinson was all over Mahomes yeah and CJ Gardner Johnson had a great game as well two pass uh two passes uh defended five tackles as well like he he was a pretty big factor in that defense um kind of surprised that they didn't sack them at all, which is a testament to the moves that Kansas City made on the offensive line. Yeah. Well, when I was watching it, so they had Mahomes wrapped up with the ball like probably like five or six times, but Mahomes was just able to either check it down or throw it away. Yeah. So that's a big credit to Mahomes, just his pocket awareness and what to do with the ball. Yeah, that's true. It, he is one of the best for a reason. 
So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll always give him his flowers because he still, despite how shit his wide receivers were, didn't have that bad of a game. When you're looking at how bad they like, how bad overall this offense was, like 21 for 39 isn't great. That's not what we want to see out of Patrick Mahomes at all. But when you look at the fact that I think eight passes were dropped, well, then you say, okay, that makes it closer to like 21 and 31, which is a totally fine day. So, yeah, yeah, I I can't knock Patrick Mahomes because this game wasn't his fault. Um, I think you could put all the blame on the wide receivers. I do have a question. So, well, didn't they have like a fourth and 20 back in their own side of the field that they decided to go for? They had all three timeouts. Yeah. And it was just over two minutes. And they're down one, one score. Um, why do you go for that? I, I don't know. That, <laughs> that one confused me, but it could just be that, you know, in that second half, their defense really couldn't do anything. So, yeah, but, but if the Lions get any big play, like let's say the Lions get, you know, second and eight, they have to call their timeout because they ran it up the middle, clock stays running. So that's a timeout. Let's say they get the two-minute warning as well, and then they get a first down, and then they run down the clock again. That's another time. Like literally all they needed to do was get one first down, and they could run the Chiefs out of timeouts. Yeah, I guess the the way I'm looking at it, it's like so. I think they were on their own like forty, thirty or forty. You punt it. Chiefs have a great punter. I've, is it Townsend? I think is their uh, yes, punter. I believe so. Um, yeah, Tommy Townsend. Pin that pin that bad boy down to the Lions' own twenty, ten or twenty, and yeah. they have horrible field position. And I want to see what Jared Goff can do in a pressure moment like that. Yeah, because essentially, like I said, they had to get a first down to to yeah. keep this going. And I think it was pretty obvious, though, that throughout that whole second half, Kansas City's defense couldn't stop shit. So uh, maybe they were just like, if we can get lucky on an offensive play, we can extend this game. If not, th- then we deserve to lose. Yeah, I mean, I will credit, too, because that, uh, that fourth and 20 was another drop ball by Sky Moore. Yeah, that would have had the first down. <laughs> yeah, not surprised at all <laughs> that the the way that their game ended was a dropped pass. Uh, but nonetheless, it, it wasn't a horrible showing from Kansas City. It was a horrible showing from the receivers. Absolutely. Yeah, I know what they're going to be working on at practice this week. Yeah, uh, if, if Kadarius Tony is even let back in the facility. <laughs> yeah, he he might just get locked out, and I wouldn't blame them at all. But let's talk browns Bengals. The Browns take it 24-3 in Cleveland, pouring rain all game. And for the first time in his career, Joe Burrow just couldn't throw the ball. Finished under 100 passing yards, which is very, like, very rare. Yeah, 82 passing yards, 14 for 31 passing. That's so bad. Yeah. Like, that's so- not Joe Burrow. No. But, uh, no, I mean, Cleveland did what everybody knew they were going to do, run the ball with Nick Chubb. Yeah, and they didn't run it as much as you'd expect. They actually mixed in Jerome Ford quite a bit. He got 15 carries, which I know you're upset with because you had Nick Chubb in fantasy. You still got the win, so you're fine. But Chubb, 18 carries, 106 yards. Then again, Brees Hall beat that in two carries. 
but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, that that one eighty-three yard run was crazy. Uh, but Deshaun Watson didn't have to have a great game, and they still looked dominant in this game. Though there was some holes in this offense, uh, I'll admit that because Deshaun wasn't perfect either. Sixteen for twenty-nine, one touchdown, one interception. But the forty-five yards on the ground on five carries was huge, and he got the rushing touchdown. Yeah, and one was that play we were talking about. You lined everybody up on the right side of the field. Yep. He takes it, it just takes off to the left. Yeah. It was like it was so weird, but it worked. Yeah, and I, I will compliment this offense on one thing like one big thing, and that's spreading the ball around the field. You had six receivers with over ten receiving yards. You had Donovan Peoples Jones with a twelve yard reception, Jordan Atkins with a twelve yard reception, Chubb even getting in on the receiving four receptions for twenty one yards. And then Njoku probably should have been a bigger factor in this one, but two receptions, twenty four yards. Amari Cooper only getting three receptions is kind of surprising. It seemed like Deshaun was overthrowing him a lot at the sideline. Yeah, he had seven uh, seven targets. Yeah, and so, the uh, same goes for Elijah Moore. Yeah, I mean, Elijah Moore already looked better with his new team yeah. than he did with the Jets. So definitely expect him to be a solid wide receiver too for them. For sure. But then on the Bengals' side, like we said, Joe Burrow couldn't throw the ball. Well, <laughs> T. Higgins couldn't really catch. He could not make a catch in traffic. He got targeted eight times, zero receptions. It's crazy. And for some reason, like, I get that T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are very good at catching in traffic. But they don't need to be doing it every single fucking time. Like, why do you just continue to just pepper them with balls? Pause. Um, (laughs) With passes. And they have to reach up over their defender every single time. It was either... Burrow underthrows it, and they have to stop their motion and come back to the ball, or he overthrows it right past them onto the sidelines. It just seemed like, and I get that it was pouring rain, but Joe Burrow could not grab the ball. Like, he could yeah. not grip the ball. It was brutal. Like, even his checkdowns to Joe Mixon didn't look good. Yeah, it was crazy. And I just, I don't get it. I think this is just a matter of Cincinnati comes out cold. They, they did it last year as well. They looked really bad against the Steelers last year in their opener. Like, I think this is just what happens. And also, like, Joe Burrow missed time during the preseason with that injury, so maybe that has to do with it. But, you know, I, I think the biggest thing we can blame this on is mainly just the conditions. Like, Burrow, typically when the, Bra- or when the Bengals don't have a lot of success in the passing game, we used to be able to just blame it on the offensive line. But they made big pickups on the offensive line, and Burrow only got sacked twice. It was genuinely just a bad passing performance from Joe Burrow, and I think that's hard for some people to understand. Yeah, it's his contract, man. It got in his head. Could be the two hundred and what two hundred fifty-five. Right? Is it seventy-five? Oh yeah, yeah, like two seventy-five. Oh no, it's a bag though. Yeah, that's that's all I know. I think he's getting paid like fifty-five million a year. Yeah, Crazy. but it just overall did not look good for Cincinnati. Um, their defense didn't even look good. Yeah. Really against, against uh, usually a poor Cleveland team. But, you know, I can expect this Cleveland team to be good this year. 
Yeah, uh, not definitely. not great, but like definitely be above five hundred. I could definitely see that this year from this team. Yeah, and I think uh, for the Bengals side, like they're gonna bounce back. I think that's pretty obvious. You know, Jamar Chase isn't gonna go five receptions, thirty nine yards every single week. That's just not gonna happen. Joe Burrow is gonna probably attempt more passes when they're in better conditions. He's going to complete a whole lot more passes as well because as much as the rain limits the quarterback, it limits the wide receivers as well. They don't, they can't move as well when the ground is wet. So I, I think a lot of factors, and like it goes the same way for Cleveland. Like their receivers, none of them had outstanding games. Elijah Moore led the team in receiving yards with forty three. Like there was nothing crazy about it. Deshaun just had a little bit more accurate day, but. Not by much. Two less attempts, two more completions than Burrow. Yeah, Cincinnati is definitely missing Jesse Bates a little bit. Yes, definitely. And um, why don't we just go ahead and talk about Jesse Bates' team, also our team, the Atlanta Falcons, taking the win 24-10 over the Panthers. And I'll I'll let you take the, the stage. What was the most impressive part of this team in this opener? So right now... For the Falcons, the defense was the most impressive. Yeah. They looked good. Uh, Safeties were strong. Our D-line was after Bryce Young almost the whole game. Like, credit, Carolina doesn't have the best O-line in the world. Probably, possibly one of the worst. Yeah. But besides, like, Jesse Bates, he had two picks and a forced fumble. That's phenomenal in his first game in Atlanta. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, And then, when but when you look at it, their best receiver was Hayden Hurst. I, I think he had like four receptions, five receptions, 41 yards, yeah. and a tutty. Uh, I'm okay to give that up. When we're when you have Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier absolutely manhandling that Carolina defense. Yeah. And when it came to the Atlanta side, you know, in the passing game, I didn't expect much coming into it. I didn't expect negative 11 yards in the first half by Desmond Ritter. But a bit of a comeback in the second half. Kyle Pitts, two receptions, 44 yards, just doing what he does. Um, And I just, I don't know, I I expected a a little bit more passing. Maybe they're just not confident in Desmond Ritter, which is totally fine. I understand why. But I would have liked to see more than 18 passing attempts. Yeah, I mean, really, when you when you look at it, so Carolina's uh, defense could not stop the run. Yeah, and you know that they have a strong secondary with uh, J.C. Horn and a couple of other a couple other guys. So why not just stick with what's working? Yeah, but J.C. Horn went down in like the third quarter, and I don't think he returned. That's when you got to start lighting up the secondary. He carries them on defense. He was literally the one one-on-one with Kyle Pitts the whole game, so they weren't targeting him at all. Then, second half, they target him three times, but it's like, just, like that should be the game-changer. Somebody goes out like that, and you got to switch up the game plan a little bit because that's going to open doors for your offense. Which we did we did start to see more yeah. passing when J.C. Horn went down. But, I mean, when you have, what is it, Bijan, 10 carries, 56 yards, but six receptions, 27 yards, and a touchdown, and that... that Reception for a touchdown was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. He, he he looked like he'd been there for a couple years. But then you have Tyler Algier, 15 carries for 75 yards and two touchdowns. Like, when you have two guys that run at that elite level, why not use them both? Yeah. 
I, I don't I don't blame them at all for how they game plan this. Uh, I think it works against a team like Carolina where this improved front seven for the Falcons can just attack Bryce Young all game, wear him out, keep that defense on the field with the running game. Like, this works out very well for the Falcons against the Panthers. But how are they going to look against the Packers next week who looked pretty good this week? Like, I, I just don't know how this team matches up well. Obviously... We're going to run the ball next week against the Packers because we want to avoid Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas at all costs. But it, are, are they going to be able to defend the run? Because if they defend the run, then we're fucked. Yeah, like we saw what they did to the Bears with Khalil Herbert and Justin yeah. Fields. They were able to stop the run. So I think uh, I think CP will be back, and he'll give us an, uh, like a, an extra body in the slot to uh, distract some of the secondary. But... You know, we'll just have to we'll have to wait and see, um, see what Ritter's got cooking up next week. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely have to see because I, I'm I'm happy with the performance. I'm happy that we start off the season with a win, but when it comes against a team like Carolina, that nobody really expected them to be great by any means, but maybe we expected a little more out of Bryce Young in his debut. Um, it just seemed like this wasn't as good of a win as it could have been. Yeah, Bryce Young, it definitely looked like the moment was too big for him. Yeah. In first NFL game, he just he looked like he was back at Alabama sitting second string. Yeah, and like the two picks that he threw to Jesse Bates were identical. Literally the yeah. same exact thing. It looked like the same play. And it was just Jesse Bates hawking it over the middle. Bryce Young tries to make a pass probably 15 yards down the field. Jesse Bates just kind of slides down and, and picks it off. Both times identically done. And that's that's something you can't get away with in the NFL. The second that Jesse Bates made that first one, which he was going to make 10 times out of 10, he's getting that interception. As soon as he knows that you like to do that, he probably got got on like one or two of them in the game and was like, okay, well, I know they're going to go back to this. I know Bryce Young likes to throw over the middle because maybe he doesn't trust himself to throw it down the sidelines right now. If he's going to keep throwing it over the middle, Jesse Bates is going to keep picking him off, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah. I mean, like like we say, again, credit to that Atlanta defense because they were, they were good. Yeah, and we were missing Jeff Okuda, so that definitely like makes me pretty happy for what the secondary could be if Okuda comes in and just plays a little bit better than he can be, like a little bit better than he should be. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited for this uh the season for the Falcons. Yeah. But also shout out to the uh the Bucks and the Saints. You know, yeah. that's three teams in the NFC South that start off with a dub. Exactly. Uh but yeah, I want to give a shout out to Troy Anderson at linebacker. Guy was all over the place, making plays everywhere. Him and Jesse Bates had the most total tackles in the game at ten. Uh, Troy had half a sack and a tackle for loss and hit the QB once. So shout out Troy Anderson. He had a fantastic game and just that, that front five that we've been running and like it, they kind of switch it up from three to five, but, uh, Grady Jarrett had a good one. David Onyemata in his debut had a great one. Like I, I really like what I saw out of all these guys and I, I can't wait to keep watching because this, this is a fun Falcons team to watch for like the first time in a couple of years. I am. Excited to watch Falcons football. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it and is. I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited for that uh, matchup next week. Atlanta Falcons, Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Two young quarterbacks, but two really good defenses. Yeah. 
we'll just have to see how that defense holds up because the Packers looked really good. But we'll talk about their game in a few minutes. Let's go to Jaguars-Colts. This one, uh, I think a lot of good things on both sides and also some criticisms for both teams in this one as well. Yeah, I, I agree. So we got Trevor Lawrence leading uh, a pretty new face uh, offense when you look at it. I mean, yeah. you had Tank Bigsby, Calvin Ridley, uh, and a couple O-line members, and then you have the Colts. You got your rookie quarterback taking the lead. Yeah, and of course you're missing the star running back in Jonathan Taylor, but Anthony Richardson had a good game. I, I will 100% say it. He had a good game. I think that the only thing that the Colts missed out on with Anthony Richardson in this game is kind of helping him in his decision-making. I think we all know that he's not – the best decision maker on the field. And that's something that I think he's working on and the Colts are working with him on to improve. But when you look at, you know, the head coach is now uh, Jonathan, or sorry, Shane Steichen, who was the offensive coordinator with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. And we know that Jalen Hurts is a very good decision maker. He knows when he needs to throw, when he needs to pass, what hold to hit when it's a designed run play, like things like that. I saw that face. Well, you said when he needs to throw and when he needs to pass. Did I say that? I meant to say when he needs to throw and when he needs to rush, but whatever. Um, Nonetheless, he's a very good decision maker, especially as a dual threat quarterback. And I think that Anthony Richardson needs a little help in his decision making. Obviously, it comes down to what they line up against. But if you can give him an idea of what he needs to do as soon as he steps out on that field, I think it's going to help him out tremendously because I think he kind of got lost a little bit in just being like, I don't see anything I got to run. And that kind of hurt him, but nonetheless had a good game on the ground, 10 carries, 40 yards, one touchdown. Yeah, and the way I see it for this Colts offense, the best thing that's going to help him out is you got to get a running back that he can rely on. Yeah. Like the the presence of Jonathan Taylor not being there was definitely in effect because you have Deion Jackson. 13 rushes for 14 yards. Yeah. That's that's horrible. So, I mean, when defenses are defending the run, all you got to all you got to worry about is Anthony Richardson. Yeah, and like that's luckily not- Zach Moss will be back in a couple weeks, which I think will help them out a little bit and if Jonathan Taylor is actually playing, then he'll be back after week 4, but I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. But I, I like what I saw from the Colts. But on the Jaguars' side, Calvin Ridley is Ooh. so good. One of the best in the league, I'd say. Yeah. I don't think he, that – I don't even think I need to say that in the week one overreactions. He was through and through fantastic in this game. Yeah, I mean, he he's looking to make a statement this year yeah. to be named wide receiver one across the whole league. Yeah, he's, Granted, he's trying. Tyreek Hill's got, in his way. I was about to say, he's got some competition for it. Yeah. But, man, he looked good. His route running was so good. Definitely. Um, but then, like, Zay Jones still had a great game. Five receptions, 55 yards, and a touchdown. But overall, I, I think this Jaguars team just showed some fight. They, they did not look great in the first half. Like, 14-7 to seven is fine. But then Indy has a little bit of a comeback in the third. They take the lead. But then Jacksonville completely shut them down in that fourth quarter. And that's what I like to see from this Jacksonville team. The ability to go down is it's fine. If you can 
if you lose the lead in the third quarter, it's okay if you're willing to really fight back in the fourth quarter. And I think that the Jags have shown that. Obviously, in their playoff game against the Chargers last year, we've seen some comebacks. But this comeback is its nice to see because this is a team you shouldn't be losing to. I think we all kind of know that. And it, it makes it that much better when you beat a team that you shouldn't lose to. And it took some work. Because it just kind of shows that you can go through your progressions. You didn't lose your head. You didn't lose the game plan in all of this mess. You were able to stick to it and just win the football game. Yeah, a hundred percent. I really liked what I saw with the the duo running back Travis Etienne and Tank Bixby. Yeah, Bixby looked like a great runner. Granted, he only had thirteen yards on uh, seven attempts, but they know when to use him. Like yeah. your third, your third and short, your second and short. When you need one to three yards, you can use him effectively. Yeah, uh, I, I so, think I think he'll become a bigger asset as the season goes on. Um, they didn't really throw to him at all, which they don't really need to because Travis Etienne is a pretty good pass catcher. Um, so you know if if there's a drive where Travis Etienne's just like, man, I'm kind of I'm kind of gassed. I'm I'm fine bringing in Tank Bigsby. I think he can fill the role pretty well. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of teams nowadays really with that that duo running back like committee. Like yeah. you have you have your I think you your, almost your have to. Yeah. Yeah, I cuz nowadays these running backs aren't in shape. Like we saw we saw last night with uh Brees Hall. He was gassed on yeah. that 83-yard run. Yeah. That man had the touchdown, but just granted he's coming back from injury, hasn't played a game. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, but I, I really like the uh, the way the running back committees are going. Yeah, but uh, let's jump over to uh, Minnesota. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers take down the Minnesota Vikings 20-17, to and who was the star of the show here? Justin Jefferson. Yeah, always, man. Nine receptions, 150 For the first yards. half. For the yeah. first half, he was the star of the show. Yeah. The man, the man, I think he had seven receptions for 148 or 138 yards. Yeah, just in the first the sec- half. <laughs> and then the second half, you add two more receptions. That's it. Yeah. So that, that Tampa defense knew what to do that second half. It was, I think that's what generated the win for them. Yeah. I, I think that this Tampa defense got very overlooked coming into this season. I don't I don't really know why, because it is certainly their biggest asset. They have a very good secondary. Jamel Dean is probably the big part of it at corner. Levante David and Devin White are just an impenetrable duo at linebacker, and they still have some dogs up front. Like this Packers, or sorry, this Buccaneers defense is great. Yeah, no. Um, and one guy I really liked was Carlton Davis the third. Yes, that man was everywhere. Looked real good, but then you also have Vita Vea. Yeah, big man, still doing big man thing. on the line. But no, I. But when you look at it. We saw some bright things out of Baker that we yeah. did not think we would see. No his, picks. Uh, that's, that's impressive because he's sort of like Dak in that ex- aspect. If he starts a game, you can almost guarantee one to two picks every game. Yeah. But his his composure looked good. His pocket awareness was great. I yep. think he only got sacked once or twice. Yeah, one sack I for think. only four yards. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. And then you have uh, – Rashad White, who looked like every run he got was just five yards every time. Yeah. Well, there was plenty of times he got stopped, 
17 carries, 39 yards. But I do agree. He looked like he was running very strong. Yeah. Like a, a, a different look to this running attack from last year when you had Leonard Fournette. And, you know, you kind of had to run the ball to set up the pass plays for Brady because some days they just weren't on it. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. Rashad White looked promising. He didn't look great. Um, but, yeah, Baker Mayfield, like, it seems like he he is very aware that his job he doesn't have much job security. Like, Kyle Trask is just waiting to come in and take his spot. So I think he's kind of playing it by the book. He's not going to pull any crazy shit out on us because the second he fucks up, he's on the bench. Yeah, one fuck up and he's gone. So what do you do? You hit your you hit your pro bowlers. You hit Mike Evans. Yeah. You hit Chris Godwin. That's how you're going to win the game. Like Mike Evans, six. I hate saying this because it's so many numbers in a row. Six receptions for 66 yards. That's awful. But then you have Chris. A great touchdown. Yeah, that was phenomenal. Perfect ball placed by Baker Mayfield. Yeah. But Chris Godwin, five receptions for 51. So just that alone, you're leading the receivers right there. It's phenomenal. He's going to his guys that he has all the trust in the world in. Yeah. So where do you think the Vikings just went wrong in this game? So I think the O-line that second half for the Vikings looked or the yeah the O line looked awful. They could not protect Kirk to save their lives because Kirk came out thirty three for forty four with three hundred and forty four yards. Yeah, that's phenomenal. But granted, half of that was in the first half. Like more than half of that was in the first half. Uh, but really, I think it's the O line and then your secondaries. Yeah, your O lines and your secondaries was just atrocious there in that second half. Yeah, I I have to do it. I have to call out Alexander Madison. Yeah, he's shit. Like, the receiving game was fine. Three receptions, 10 yards, he got a receiving touchdown. Whatever. The guy just cannot run the ball efficiently. What a fucking surprise. He was a backup running back his entire career, and everybody was like, oh, but Dalvin's gone. Why would he not be good? Because he's never run in bulk, and they still didn't even let him do it in this game, and he still looked bad. 11 carries, 34 yards. A long of 9 yards for a guy like Alexander Madison with the expectations that have been placed on him is abysmal. Yeah, they're looking real stupid for letting Dalvin Cook go. Yeah. But, no, well, here's the thing. And the Jets are barely even using him. Yeah, here's the thing. Do we see the Vikings make an offer for Jonathan Taylor? I think they should after this one. Yeah. And then, so to go to the other team with Tampa Bay and their old star, Leonard Fournette, you think he gets picked up by anybody this season? I would love to say that he will, but I I just, I don't know. Like it'll take some injuries for him to get picked up. Because he could still be an effective short, short yardage, like second down, third down runner to get that first down because he's still a powerful runner but you're just not going to get your 30, 40-yard runs with him. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, But let's move on. Uh, Our next game, Saints-Titans. This game fucking sucked. Oh, my God. 16-15 Saints. Um, The the best thing for the Titans, uh, Will Levis didn't throw a pick because he wasn't in the game. Um, And best thing for the Saints, uh, Michael Thomas is back. Kind of. He was running slants pretty good. well. <laughs> their secondary looked good. Yeah. Mainly because Ryan Tannehill was at quarterback. That's true. 
He was less than 50% passing uh, at a cool 16 for 34 and three picks. That's horrible. Yeah. A good old QBR at 10.3. That's so (laughs) bad. Derrick Henry looked good, though. Yeah, it's Derrick fucking Henry. And yeah. they didn't even run the ball a lot, which does not make sense. Why? In what world does Derrick Henry have less com- less carries than Ryan Tannehill has completions? Yeah. Trust like, me. That's insane. I know. You know I know, Grayson. Yes. I, he should have had do. a touchdown. Shout out DeAndre Hopkins, though. He had a pretty good game considering Ryan Tannehill is his quarterback. Because seven receptions for 65 yards looks great until you get to the end where it says 13 targets. Well, yeah, it was like (laughs) the first half, all they were doing was just targeting DeAndre Hopkins or just giving it to Derrick Henry or just giving it to the other team. That's true. Uh, I think that was the whole game. The whole game was throw it to Derrick Henry, throw it to the defense, or hand it to Derrick Henry. That fourth quarter, you really started to see him try to spread the ball out a little bit more. Like Jalen Burks got a couple more targets. Yeah. Um, but that's really about it. There, there's not much to talk about this game besides the punters did a great job. Yeah, the punters, they trained all off season for this game. That's all I'm gonna say. Agreed. Um, all right, let's let's move on from this one. It, yeah. This game fucking sucked. Like, if Horrible. you didn't watch this, I'd tell you to go watch the highlights, but it's probably five seconds. Yeah, all you're gonna see is Chris Olave. Yeah. And Derrick Henry. I think that's Yeah, gonna you're going to see the three interceptions. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be the and Derrick Henry's 46-yard reception. That's yeah, it. That's, yeah. But let's move on to an absolute domination. <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers just waltz in to Pittsburgh, beat the shit out of them and go home. 30 to 7 and it just seemed like Pittsburgh had no chance from the jump. Yeah, that Kenny Pickett hype got shut down real quick. Yeah, especially when you've got him <laughs> attempting 46 passes. Najee Harris had six carries. They only ran the ball 10 times. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do when you got Nick Bosa and Fred Warner just hawking you the whole yeah, time? Yeah, and you can't run it up the middle because Javon Hargrave's going to stop you. Exactly. So, I mean, all they could was all they could do was throw the ball. Yeah, and honestly, Kenny Pickett wasn't, that bad like 31 for 46 isn't that bad but the two picks obviously killed him yeah no 100 percent uh but when you look at the other side of the ball man McCaffrey had a day yeah 22 carries 152 yards had a 65 yard rushing touchdown um he's just he's ridiculous yeah and then Brock Purdy looked good yeah, uh, he looked that little injury. He looked exactly like Brock Purdy. Yeah. Like just yeah. about just about like 66% passing, 200 plus yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Like that is textbook Brock Purdy. Yeah. I don't want to talk about the leading receiver just cuz it, it breaks my heart. <laughs> yes. To have him on uh, the bench. No- notable bench member of Collins fantasy team Brandon Ayuk with eight receptions for 129 yards and two touchdowns. Ooh. He, he was eight for eight. Eight targets, eight receptions. Yeah. He so, had a fucking killer game. Watch. I'm going to start him this week. Yeah. Three points. He's going to have a That's, T. Higgins. 
That's what I'm gonna get. But no, just just the 49ers as a whole, defense and offense looked great. Yeah. They're they're my team from the NFC to make it to the Super Bowl. So I like what I I like what I'm seeing out of them. hundred percent. If Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Talanoa Hufanga, like this entire team looked fucking awesome. Drake Jackson with three sacks. Like this team was amazing. And just once again, it's like this defense can literally stop anything. They stopped Pittsburgh from thinking about running the ball. Like that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, they knew all they had to do was protect the pass because they weren't going to run it with Najee anymore. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And yeah, uh, what is it? You had Jalen Jalen Warren, who three Did carries nothing. for six yards. Yeah, and five, five receptions for 12 with a long no, of nine. Non-factor, but granted, that's your second, that's your second guy. So, yeah. Yeah, we saw Pat Fryer moves. One reception yep. for three yards. We saw Grant, Deontay Johnson hurt his hamstring, I believe, and fuck me in fantasy. He'll be um, back. Don't yeah, worry. in four weeks. Oh, it actually came out? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, four fucking weeks. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. I'm probably going to have to start Cortland Sutton, who, if I would have started, probably would have gave me a chance at winning. Um, nonetheless... This game was just an absolute domination. The 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Give me my 49ers Jacksonville Jaguars Super Bowl that I called at the beginning of the yeah. season. I look, if if that happens, I will I will bow down. But nonetheless, let's talk about another shitter. Commanders Cardinals. The Commanders take it 20 to 16. Just a fucking boring game. Yeah. It Other than good. like the commanders come from behind fourth quarter, it just nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we saw some good things from Sam Howell. Yeah, uh, better things than I thought he was gonna. Bring. Yeah, just a, a very average game. Like nineteen for thirty-one passing, two hundred two yards, a touchdown, an interception. The biggest problem was that Washington's offensive line was atrocious. Howell got sacked six times. That's not good. Yeah, and it's just, it, it doesn't make sense to me because they can they can protect for the run just fine, but they just cannot go into pass protection. And, and this Cardinals defense is very much better than anybody would have expected. I think we kind of downplayed the effect that Jonathan Gannon's head coaching would take on this defense, but he certainly helped them out. A, a lot of guys that you probably weren't looking at going into this season being like, oh, these guys could be good on this defense. But, like, Kazir White had a pretty good game. Uh, Jonathan Ledbetter had a sack in this one. Carlos Watkins had a good game as well. He had a sack. Dennis Gardeck, I've never even heard of that guy, had two sacks. Like, just a bunch of no-name guys, for the most part, on this Cardinals defense just put together a good game. And I think it's a testament to the coaching. Yeah, no, uh, I I agree 100%. That's really the only highlights from this game, though. Yeah, Josh Dobbs, you know, looked like Josh Dobbs just without the picks. Um, yeah. And Brian Robinson got fed a lot. But like you said, they know how to protect the run, so you'd like to see a little bit more effective yards come out of him, uh, yeah. especially him getting that RB1 spot over Antonio Gibson. But that's we saw Antonio Gibson get absolutely shit on. 
that game. Like what sure. he do? Three three carries for nine yards, and one reception for ten yards. So when you look at it, just that offense is just so slow. Is how I'm gonna put it. Yeah, it's weird, but they're slow. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to the next one. Uh, we got a little Week One scoreagami, a, a unique score in NFL history. Baltimore Ravens twenty-five, Houston Texans nine. Huh. Uh, but in this one, once again, the the three rookie quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud had a pretty good game. The offensive line kind of let him down a little bit, but overall, twenty-eight for forty-four. When you have a rookie quarterback throwing 44 passes, I kind of expect there to be mistakes. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. No Zero interceptions. Picks. Yeah, that that's the biggest thing to me. This is a very, very good Ravens defense. To not throw any picks against this defense is a testament to you know how good he played. They shut down the run, undoubtedly. Damian Pierce just could not break anything off. 38 yards on 11 carries. And C.J. Stroud had a couple of good like sneaks, but... Four carries for 20 yards. Devin Singletary was essentially a non-factor. Seven carries, 15 yards. Like It wasn't great in the running, but you got to give all the praise to C.J. Stroud, especially his connection with Nico Collins. Yeah. Nico Collins, Robert Woods. I mean, he was able to spread the ball around a lot. Like Tank Dell had three receptions. Noah Brown, three receptions. Mike Boone even had three receptions. Uh, You'd like to see the ball go to Dalton Schultz a little bit more just because, you know, if you get the ball in his hands, he's able to get that extra five, seven yards after the catch because that's just what he does. Yeah. But I think today we mainly just saw, or not today, Sunday we saw him blocking. Yeah. That's really which, the biggest. Which is what they needed against this defense is somebody to get in there and block. Yeah. They needed all the help they could get. Didn't help out all that much, but they, they still looked like there was some promising things to this Texans team, and the defense was certainly part of it. You're, you're facing a pretty high-powered offense. Lamar Jackson got essentially shut down in this game. Like, outside of the uh, uh, some great passing and a great game from Zay Flowers, like, Lamar Jackson going 17 for 22 with only 169 passing yards and throwing a pick. He got sacked four times. You limit him under 40 rushing yards. Like, that's a pretty good defensive showing to take home with you. How about Will Anderson Jr.? Yeah. Getting his first sack. In his NFL career. Yeah, and he looked like a monster on that set. He was just like, he needed that to live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's, you remember, remember that first year Jadavian Clowney was in Houston? Yeah. And everybody thought was like, he was just the next coming yeah. of the NFL. Yeah, that's what Will Anderson looked like. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully the rest of his career doesn't look like it. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, overall, just like uh, 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 there was positive parts on each side, but also some things that the teams both have to work on. Yeah, one thing I will shout out was that Roquan Smith had eight total solo tackles. Yeah, like great. Game. That man, that man was good on Sunday. Yeah. Well, let's talk about another shit game: Raiders Broncos, seventeen sixteen Raiders. Just fucking boring. Jimmy Garoppolo had a good game by Jimmy Garoppolo standards. 20 for 26, 200 yards, two interse- or, sorry, two touchdowns, one interception. Yeah. Um, but, like, Josh Jacobs just wasn't great. Like, t- almost, he could- yeah, he couldn't break one off. Mm-hmm. Kind of similar to what happened to Damon Pierce. 
Like 19 carries for 48 yards is not what we should be seeing from last year's leading rusher. Yeah. And something we forgot to talk about that last game. So has it been confirmed that J.K. Dobbins is out for the season? Yes, he is. Okay. So rip, rip any fantasy owners that was expecting J.K. Dobbins to do anything. Go yeah. get Justice Hill. Yeah. Gus Edwards is not that guy. No, definitely not. I don't even know if he's still – is he even still there? Yeah. Oh, my God. He's he's labeled their RB2, but yeah. I think after the two touchdowns by Justice Hill, Justice Hill's about to take RB1. Fair enough. Um, shout out Jacoby Myers for having dreads and making me think every single time that he caught the ball that it was Devontae Adams because <laughs> I was facing Devontae Adams of fantasy, and every time he'd catch it and I'd see him roll over and I'd see like 16 instead of 17, be like, whoa, thank God. <laughs> Because he had 81 yards, nine receptions. Devontae Adams, six receptions, 66 yards. Like, Jacoby Myers looked really good because they're trying to lock down Devontae Adams. Yeah. Homeboy got rocked, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. Laid. I think he's in under concussion protocol right now. Oh, really? But I think so. Shit. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see when he's able to return. Yeah. Uh, breaking news Russell Wilson still sucks. He had a good first half. Okay. He's still that's not what I'm going to say. I know, but I was going to say, his first half looked really, really good. Yeah. He just and he then, just looks lost on the field. Yeah. When, when he does, like, he does not have, like, especially with Jerry Judy out, it just seems like he cannot pick a guy to throw to. Yeah, he threw to a lot of them. Yeah. Like, there was, he completed 27 passes. His leading receiver was... Samaj P. Ryan with four receptions for 37 yards. Most receptions on the team was Adam Troutman, who's like a half tight end, half fullback. Like, this makes no sense. It, it really doesn't. Like, if you're throwing passes to Lil Jordan Humphrey, there is something wrong with your offense. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, one guy you'd like to see get the ball more is uh, Greg Dulcich. You yeah. saw how well Which he did I think, last year. I think he left with an injury again. Did he? Yeah. But I guess the one bright side is you got Javante Williams back. Yeah, and they were using and him okay, not yeah, great. He he didn't look horrible. No, he looked he looked like it was his first game back from a serious injury. Yeah, so expect him to get explosive throughout the season because it's coming. Yeah, and of course, like this defense looked pretty good for Denver. Uh, Pat Sertan was locked down, at, you know, per usual, but just overall, like. Neither of these teams were like, wow, those teams look good. And neither of these teams were like, these teams suck. Yeah. They're like two average yeah. teams playing each other. Yeah, they were they're they're defending being the middle tier of of the NFL. Chargers about to take this division. Maybe. I I don't think the Chiefs are. All I right. think the Chargers are gonna step up. Fair enough. I I love the Chargers this year, so don't yeah. don't count me out of that. Uh, but <laughs> let's talk Eagles Patriots. Uh, this game was cr- kind of crazy. Like the Patriots yeah. did not seem like a team that should be in it, and should have won. Yeah, yeah, they should have won. <laughs> they should have won that also, last quarter. I'm sorry, Mac Jones throwing 54 fucking passes. <laughs> like that's yeah, crazy. That, that's wild. Absolutely, but mainly because that Eagles D-line is, you can't run on them. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, you cannot run on them. You can throw all over Darius Slay all you want, but you cannot run on Jordan Davis. Nope. Very hard that to get man, past that, that defensive line. That man was huge. Yeah, physically and mentally. Mentally. Um, but, you know, the Eagles offense just didn't excite me in this one. There was just something off. Like, Jalen Hurts, 22 for 33, 170 in a passing touchdown. He got sacked three times. And then in the run game, he wasn't all that great. Nine carries, 37 yards. Kenneth Gainwell was just getting fed the ball in the first quarter. Like, it seemed like their whole first drive was just like Kenneth Gainwell, Kenneth Gainwell, drop back, check down to Kenneth Gainwell. Like, everything was going to Kenneth Gainwell for, like, two drives, which doesn't make any sense. DeAndre Swift saw fucking no action. In this yeah. game, one carry for three yards for DeAndre Swift and one reception for zero yards. Like he's that supposed to be makes... like the he was supposed to be RB one when they yeah. picked him up. Yeah, like that's he is uh, in RB one, and they just didn't use him. Like, yeah, it's it, crazy. It was wild. Um, definitely expected better from Philly, but I'm just impressed with New England. Yeah, honestly. That fourth quarter, like, it was pissing me off because they had every opportunity to win that game. Yep. But they just kept fucking it up. Yeah. And shout out Jake Elliott, 250 pluses. He was, only, he was the only reason you were. Oh, yeah. Close. Only reason I was competitive in fantasy. I don't think anybody else broke 20 except Tony Pollard. Yeah. But. How about, how about, how about Daniel Jones? How did he, how'd he do for you? Yeah, we'll talk about him. <laughs> we will. Uh, a great debut for Christian Gonzalez for the Patriots. Uh, yes. Seven tackles. He had a sack as a corner, which is kind of crazy. Um, and then one pass breakup, just kind of doing it all. So, yeah, shout out Christian Gonzalez. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is still too fat to hold the ball. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was funny. Um, And, yeah, like there's not too much else to talk about this game other than that Philly didn't look great other than the first quarter, and they, the New England kind of figured out their defense in that second quarter, but Philly ultimately holds them off in the second half, but kind of just a sloppy second half from both teams. Yeah, uh, one thing we can we can know for certain is that Mac Jones found his guy, his yeah. favorite guy to target, Kendrick Bourne. Definitely. Six receptions, 64 yards, 11 targets. Yeah. Like, Crazy. Juju only had seven targets. Yeah. So, but who knows? then again, it's Juju. So, yeah. But who knows? Not Kendrick Bourne, there's a sleeper in fantasy for you guys. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but let's talk probably the best game of the day or the weekend. One of, I'd say, Dolphins, Dolphins Chargers. Chargers. Yeah. The Dolphins take it 36 34. Just an absolute offensive clinic on both sides. On the Miami side, Two attack of Iloa in 26 for 45, 466 yards, three touchdowns, only one interception, and he didn't get sacked once. And then, of course, they weren't really running the ball, but Raheem Mostert, 10 carries, 37 yards, that was kind of it. He had a rushing touchdown as well. But Tyreek Hill, 11 yes, receptions, 215 yards, and two touchdowns. What the fuck? The dude's not human. No, he's not. He's not human. He is making making it look like that 
him leaving the Chiefs like is the best thing in the world for him. Yeah, other than the, the Chiefs won a Super Bowl yeah, last year. Listen, listen, it's showing that Patrick Mahomes is not what is like Patrick Mahomes did not make Tyreek Hill great. Tyreek Hill is just great. I can definitely agree with that. I think I think Patty's missing Tyreek a little bit. Yeah, because he has hands. <laughs> but no, even Jalen Waddle had a great day. Four receptions yeah. for 78 yards. Yeah. Like, even when Tyreek Hill's getting 15 targets in a game, Jalen Waddle still showed out. He still looked really good. Um, like, and just kind of, you know, not much defense in this one, obviously, oh, with 36-34, but these are two teams that have pretty good defenses. So, kind of just proved how good these offenses really are. Like, Tyreek Hill's out here gets past J.C. Jackson, and then gets past Derwin James to catch the ball. Like, that's two all-pro guys that you're getting past. And on the Los Angeles side, Herbert, 23 for 33, 228 yards and a touchdown. Um, Eckler had one hell of a day, 16 carries, 117 yards and a touchdown. Joshua Kelly, 16 carries, 91 yards and a touchdown. Like, that is crazy out of the backfield for that team. He looked good. Yeah. Joshua Kelly looked phenomenal. And then Keenan Allen had a pretty good game. Six receptions, 76 yards. Eckler still a factor in the receiving game as well. Four receptions, 47 yards. Mike Williams had a pretty good game. Four receptions, 45. Honestly, the only disappointment on this offense was Quentin Johnston, who just really didn't get a lot of targets. Two two receptions, nine uh, nine yards on three targets. Yeah, I think uh, one of them was just a wide receiver screen. Yeah, I think it was like third and one, and they just checked it down to him. Yeah. So, I mean, two for nine, I think both ended in first down. So, he knew what to do with the ball. Expect him to get more targets throughout this season. Definitely. 100%. Like, you'll start to see him get like six to seven targets a game, all the way up to eight to nine, uh, maybe if Keenan Allen's not having the yeah. best game. And, like, when you're looking at the target share, it – Kind of makes sense. Like Keenan Allen should probably be getting the most targets, and then Eckler and Mike Williams getting five targets, and Donald Parham and Gerald Everett just being tight ends getting open. They deserve their three targets as well, and then Quentin Johnson gets three. Everybody else gets one. Like that probably makes sense. But if Quentin Johnson starts to look better, expect him to maybe take some targets away from Mike Williams. Yeah, a hundred percent. Overall, what a fantastic game! Like. You definitely see, you know, Tua surging as MVP candidate, especially after the start of a couple of the QBs in the league that you'd expect at the top, like Burrow, Allen, who we'll get to, Mahomes, Hurts. Like, if Tua's having performances like that, he's going to be up there. Yeah. But, no, I mean, can we talk about how Joey Bosa was, like, a non-factor in this game? Yeah, because he's a piece of shit and he sucks at football. <laughs> I I just hope everybody is aware that going into this season, I'm still as much as I'm high on the Chargers, I still hate Joey Bosa. Yeah, I'll take Nick all day. Oh yeah. All day long. Way better. Way better player. Um Yeah. yeah Joey only had one tackle. Yeah. All day. No QB hits, no tackles for loss, no sacks. He's a bona fide scrub. Yeah. Um, but overall, just two 
amazing teams facing off. There are also two teams that I could see probably matching up early in the playoffs. Um, you know, the Dolphins could be a team that wins the East, especially with how the Bills and Jets looked. Um, and then the Chargers could certainly win the West. So um, we'll just have to see how that plays out. But definitely two teams to watch, and Tua is certainly on MVP watch. Yeah, Jets Jets are not favored to do anything this year, especially yeah. with uh, Rodgers going. Yeah, on. yeah. Uh, but let's go uh, Packers-Bears. What a fucking game, dude. Like, yeah. It, the Packers were dominating essentially the whole game. Bears tried to kind of come back uh, late in the third and into the fourth quarter, but to no avail. The Packers take it 38-20, and, um, yeah, look, the Bears just – can't beat the Packers. They can't beat Matt LaFleur. They couldn't they couldn't beat Rodgers. They can't beat Jordan Love. It's as simple yeah. as that. Justin Fields was definitely struggling. He got shut down. Straight yeah. up shut down. Like Justin Fields, his longest run was 10 yards. That tells the whole story. Yeah. And that that pick he threw over the middle was just crucial. Like, he threw it right into two defenders. He had him. If he overthrows that and leads his receiver, it's a touchdown. Yeah. But he underthrew it to two Green Bay defenders that were just crossing. Pick it off. Who who ended up? Who who got that pick? Was it, uh yeah, Quay Walker. Yeah. He, he ran it all the way back for 37 yards. Like, just wow. But yeah. uh, no, the biggest MVP of this game was definitely Aaron Jones. Agreed. The dude was a monster. 41 yards on the ground on only nine carries, got a rushing touchdown, two receptions, 86 yards, and a receiving touchdown. The man had a fucking day. He literally had less carries than A.J. Dillon and more than double his rushing yards. Yeah, and that's mainly because he left the game in the third quarter. Yeah. Um, Ham, uh, what was it, hamstring? Yeah. Yeah. But all signs are pointing to that he's going to be healthy for week yep. two. Um, but shout if listen, shout out if you had Tyree Kill and Aaron Jones on your team, you had an amazing draft. Yeah, I'm only saying I'm only saying that because that's my team. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Chubb, Tyree Kill, Aaron Jones. I'm I'm set. Yeah, I'm so happy with my team. <laughs> Jamar Yikes. Chase, Jameer Gibbs, and Tony Pollard look great. Well, Tony Pollard does, but. Jameer and Jamar is a different story. But, look, overall in this game, Jordan Love looked like a good quarterback. He didn't have to throw the ball a shitload. He can still use his running backs. But 15 for 27, 245, three touchdowns, no interceptions and no sacks is the biggest thing. Like, the the, the attempts and completion percentage weren't fantastic. But three touchdowns, no interceptions, one sack is so good for Jordan Love. Yeah. No, 100%. He looked like he's been there before. Yeah. That's the best thing you could do. But Darnell Savage for that Packers defense looked like he wasn't human. Yeah, he looked uh, insanely good. Yeah, same with, uh, I think, I don't know, I'm going to butcher this name, but uh, Keyshawn Nixon. Yeah. Keyshawn Nixon. Seven solos. And then you had Darnell Savage with five solos that were just all over the field. I think they were on every play. Yeah, almost. and Keyshawn Nixon, also a pretty good kick returner. Yeah. 
Um, no, but like Devontae Wyatt had a good game, one and a half sacks. He split one with Kenny Clark. Carl Brooks had a sack, but look, they were just getting at Justin Fields, making him make decisions. That's how you beat the Bears. That's how you beat Justin Fields is you make him make decisions. If he can't run the ball well and he can't pass the ball well, you're going to win the football game. It's so obvious how to stop this team is to make Justin Fields make his own decisions. Because if Matt Eberflus and that offense are making their own decisions – they're going to or if they get to make their decisions they're going to play well. If you make Justin Fields think on the fly, you're going to make him make mistakes, you're going to make him mess up the plays himself. That's how you beat them. Yeah, how about Roshan Johnson? Yeah. Texas boy getting his touchdown. Yeah, getting a decent usage. That kind of surprised me. I I I didn't expect Khalil Herbert to be used that little compared to Roshan and Dante Foreman. Yeah, which, I mean, Dante Foreman, yeah, he got the carries, but they're going to go down after the outing he had. Yeah. he didn't really do anything with it. Yeah, like he um, wasn't the powerful runner that we expected to see. That we saw in Carolina. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's not getting the touches that he had in Carolina. But when you're in a running back committee, you gotta you got to excel with what you get. Yeah, exactly. Um, but... Let's move on from this one, um, and let's talk Rams-Seahawks, the final game of the 425s. Um, This one was interesting. It was. A very surprising one. The Seahawks played probably one of the worst second halves of football I've watched. Like, they were abysmal in that second half. Um, Let me me pull up the sequences there for that second half because, like, it, it was so bad. They couldn't even get in the end zone. They couldn't even get in field goal range. Okay, I'm going to read you off the time of possession for each of their drives. They had a one minute and three seconds that ended in a punt. One minute, 35 seconds ended in a punt. 36 seconds ended in a punt. A minute, 41 ended in a punt, and 11 seconds end of the game. That's horrible. Yeah, that's their whole second half. Whereas the Rams opened up with a six-minute drive for a touchdown and then a five-minute drive that ended in a field goal, a six-minute drive that ended in a touchdown, a four-minute drive that ended in a field goal, and a three-minute drive that ended in a field goal. They didn't leave the field without points in the entire second half. This is a team that we talked about contending with the Cardinals being one of the worst teams in the league, and they just came out and reminded us we just we won a Super Bowl two years ago. Yeah. Like this is it's kind of crazy how quickly we moved on from the Rams. Yeah, and this is an offense without Cooper Cup. Yeah. Or Allen Robinson or Odell. Like but they had two receivers put up over a hundred yards. Yeah. Shout out Tutu Atwell and Puka Nakua. Two of the best names <laughs> ever. <laughs> Those are two yeah. fantastic names. Both of them putting up 119 yards in this one. And, and Kyron Williams on the ground, 15 carries, 52 yards, two touchdowns. Cam Akers had a very inefficient game, but still ended up with a touchdown. Like, I really liked what I saw. Matthew Stafford was confidently throwing the ball around the field. He was totally fine handing the ball off 40 times, but also throwing the ball 38 times. Like, 
this team looks good. I think we kind of forgot, like, Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback. And Sean McVay is a good coach. O-line just looks so good. Yeah. For the Rams. It's crazy. Like, this, this team totally came out and surprised. And honestly, like, this is a team we shouldn't be surprised by, but we all were. We were all so ready to move on because it was like, oh, last year, dude, Matthew Stafford went down with an elbow injury. He's not going to come back the same. Cooper Cup coming off of a different, like, uh, off the leg injury. He's not going to be playing. He's not. But he's going to come back into a team where fucking Puka Nakua had 15 targets. Yeah. And Aaron Donald comes back and is immediately a force. Obviously, he had fucking Geno Smith yelling, oh, my God, as he ran at him. <laughs> like, literally, on video. It's cr- like it's insane. I didn't see that. Yeah, but shout out fucking Bobby Wagner on Seattle just getting so many tackles. 19 total tackles, nine solo tackles against his former team now. Yeah, that's... It was just a shit show by Seattle. That's that's basically all you can say. Yeah. Their first half, they looked great. You know, Gino looked great throwing it to DK. Lockett didn't get that much action, but it looked like they had a plan. Second half, like you said, nothing. Yeah. I think every single drive was a four and out. Three or four. That's, that's, oh, that's yeah, sounds about right if they're only averaging a minute. Yeah. With the ball. like Pretty sure it defense, was zero first downs in the second half. Their defense has got to hate, hate that offense right now. Like, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of the blame, I don't even know, because like, you can kind of split up the blame on the running and the passing. Like Geno Smith didn't have a good day passing. 16 for 26, 112. Only averaging 4.3 per attempt. But... On the rushing side, Kenneth Walker didn't have a phenomenal game. 12 carries, 64 yards. Zach Charbonnet was essentially a non-factor. Three carries, 11 yards. Like It just seemed like they could not, Like no matter what they did, especially in that second half, the play call was just not right. Yeah, no, it's just, it's something we weren't expecting to see, like we said. So yeah. hopefully, Geno Smith's numbers last year, incredible. Like so, we can expect that this is not going to be an every every week thing. So, I don't know, but I'm interested to see how this uh, this Rams team does, especially once they get Cooper Cut back. Yeah. Well, it's that time where we talk about Sunday night football, and oh, I'm gonna let you get it all out, yeah. Gray. All right, Cowboys forty, Giants zero. In the pouring rain at MetLife Stadium on that wet-ass turf, Daniel Jones starts off the game. They they drive it down the field, forcing Saquon the ball. It is all working. Get stopped, infield goal range, line up the field goal, sure as shit field goal, and comes inside the wide blocker, blocks the field goal, returns it for a touchdown. What? Like, what the fuck? How is that how you start the game? And then Dallas misses the extra point. Yeah. So it's a 6-0 lead. So, okay, whatever. Make up for it. That was a special teams issue. Daniel Jones, 
comes out on the field. Throws a pass to Saquon. Saquon catches, turns, gets hit by Trayvon Diggs, and um, I'm, I can't remember who picked it up. Uh, I oh, think it was Israel Muk- Mukuama. Yeah. yeah. Um, picks up the uh, the ball out of midair and takes it to the house. Uh, personally, I think it was a Saquon fumble, not a Daniel Jones interception, but it was considered uh, an interception, I believe. Oh, no, it was, uh, it was De'Ron Bland. De'Ron Bland. Yeah, that, that uh, took that one back. But it's okay, you know? That's just one drive. Now you're down, I think, 13, right? Yeah, 13-0. Um, Dallas gets back on the field after a punt, kick a field goal, whatever, into the first, go into the second quarter. You think the Giants are going to do something? Of course not. <laughs> of course they didn't do shit. Um, it's just like, like, how? How does this happen? This whole game, how does it happen? Because, like, you, you have the block field goal, which sucks, and, and then... I, I kind of messed it up, but the Giants actually came out three and out punt. Um, and then Dallas goes and gets a field goal. And then the interception, uh, pick six. Then they go down. They go back out on the field, three and out punt. Dallas goes down, kicks another field goal. Like, the Dallas offense didn't look good either. The Giants just could not do anything. And then they kick that field goal. It's 19-0. to Daniel Jones tries to keep a play alive. He's running to the outside on first down, I'm pretty sure. And fucking throws the ball. Like, he should have just tossed it out of bounds. He was way outside of the tackle box. He was literally next to the fucking sideline. Throws it back in play. Stephon Gilmore just kind of pulls it up off the ground. Interception. Like, what are you doing? And then, of course, of course, Dallas marches down, touchdown. Giants come out. They finally make a drive down the field. Missed another fucking field goal. Like, they just couldn't help themselves if their life depended on it. They come out in the second half, down 26-0. Dallas opens it up with a touchdown. And then they go, the Giants go punt, turnover on downs, fumble, turnover on downs, and then the game ends on their drive. How? How the fuck does Dallas beat a Giants team that is essentially just an improved team? They kept a majority of the players that were impact players for them last year. They come out and lose 40-0 to on opening night? To the Cowboys. Yeah. To Dak Prescott. And, and Dak Prescott, shout out to him, didn't have to do shit in this game. And I talked I about that- it. I talked about it with... Like in uh, me and Luke's NFC East preview, this offense has changed so much. And I kept preaching that, but kind of neglected to talk about how good this defense really is. Stephon Gilmore was a huge addition. You still have Trayvon Diggs, a first team all pro guy. You have so many contributors on that defense that the offense doesn't have to be that good. CD Lamb had four targets, four receptions, 77 yards. He was really the only factor in the receiving game. Tony Pollard had a great game on the ground. 14 carries, 70 yards, two touchdowns. And then 
a pretty surprising um, showing from the other guys on this uh, in this rushing attack. Rico Dowdle wasn't all that bad. Six carries, 24 yards, just kind of played his role. Cavante Turpin, three carries, 14 yards, and a touchdown. We saw Deuce Vaughn at the end of the game. He kind of sucked. But the story of this game was the defense. You had the pick six from Deron Bland. You had the interception from Stephon Gilmore, the forced fumble, or not really forced fumble, but kind of forced the interception that uh, Deron Bland took back by Trayvon Diggs. Like, you had, uh, I always fuck up this guy's name, Tyler um, Biadaz, Biadaz, I think is how you say it. He had a fumble recovery, and um, Israel Muka, uh, geez, I just said Mukamu, Mukamu. Yeah, I, I got I no idea. Know. I'm not I'm not even going to attempt. Yeah, Muk- I think that sounds right. Yeah, Mukamu, I think. He had a fumble recovery as well, but just overall, this defense looked great. Yeah, and also shout out Dak, hit and throw a pick. Yeah, which he's off to a great start. It's because he's not attempting forty passes a game anymore. Yeah, he only attempted twenty four passes and really didn't have a good game passing. He only completed thirteen passes. Yeah, and here's the thing: his first completion to Ceedee Lamb was for forty nine yards. Yeah, so that's about like that first quarter. That was about all the offense, offensive, you know plays that they got yeah besides running the ball to tony pollard exactly so yeah this was just a shit show of a game luckily i was at work and didn't have to watch it i watched the whole thing i yeah you were probably crying i was pretty pretty fucking close watching daniel jones get his ass kicked he was 15 for 28 104 passing yards zero touchdowns two interceptions seven sacks for 47 yards his qbr was an 8.4 like, how does that even happen? It's worse than Jalen Milrow against Texas. Yeah. But no, go ahead go ahead and let them know uh, how that affected your fantasy, fantasy week. Yeah, so I go into this game. I'm down, I think, like 40 or like, I think I was down 40. I had Tony Pollard and Daniel Jones to play. He, My opponent was done. And... Tony Pollard had a great game, 20 points, exactly what I needed out of him. That was his projection. I think it was 19.2 right over his projection. Daniel Jones, he was projected, I think, 22 points. All I needed from him after how Pollard did was 15 points. He got four. Four points. Oh, man. That's horrible. It's insane. It really is. And now the Giants, the only team this season that hasn't scored any points. Yeah. I mean, you got the wet. You have a good offense led by Saquon Barkley. Yeah. But don't forget, they have Darren Waller. They have Isaiah Hodgins. But it doesn't doesn't matter if Daniel Jones can't even get to the point of throwing the ball. Yeah. I don't know. This, I bet the Giants are feeling real stupid that they paid Daniel Jones before they paid Saquon. Yeah. Yeah, that was not a $40 million performance. Yeah. So but, we can... yeah, let, let's talk Monday. Yeah. it's It gets better. No, I don't think it gets better. Yeah, go online, look up Aaron Rodgers' Jets highlights. You'll see him <laughs> run on the field with the American flag. That yeah, is it. That is it. Um, and then he goes down with an Achilles injury on, what, like the first play? 
And it was the first drive. I know yeah. that. I, I was on the way home, so I didn't really see it. I'd come home, and I see Zach Wilson on the field. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? And, and shout-out to Zach. Didn't have that bad of a game. They won. They got the dub. They got the dub. 22-16 in overtime on a game-winning punt return by rookie to Sean Gibson um, in, in Brees Hall. Brees Hall was the driving force of this win. Thirteen or sorry, ten carries, hundred and twenty-seven yards. And um, in case you didn't know, he was at hundred and nine after two carries because of an eighty-three yard rush where he obviously just was not in in shape to to make it a full a full uh, hundred. Yeah, he would have took it to the house. Oh yeah. That new but... ACL wasn't quite holding up. <laughs> I was when he when he took off, I was just praying that he would not get hurt again. Yeah. I know. I, I was literally watching it at work, and I said to Andrew, um, let's see how this ACL holds up. As soon as he broke away, and then you just see him slowing down, going to the sideline. He looked like a car pulling over on the road. <laughs> but no, man, did he look good. He did, man. He looked great. Uh, Josh Allen, on the other hand, did three picks. He got sacked five times, and... Somehow the Jets stayed in this one all the way through. Like the 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 Bills kind of pulled away by halftime. They were up thirteen three. Probably it really didn't look good for them. And then, literally, just a mirror image of the first half in the second half. The Bills just don't look good, and the Jets come out. They kick a field goal in the third, and then they score a touchdown. Kick a field goal in the fourth, and. They all of a sudden have the lead. The Bills have to march down. They kick a a field goal to force overtime with two seconds left on the clock. They go into overtime, and it, it was just anarchy, honestly. Like, the Bills come out. They have a three and out. Doesn't look good for them. And then it really doesn't look good for them because they punt it, and like we said, um, I think I said to Sean Gibson. I think it was Xavier Gibson. Gibson. Yeah, I was gonna say it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Xavier Gibson. Yeah, uh, my bad. But Xavier Gibson, um, 65 yard punt return to the house. Um, just just a crazy way to end this game and a crazy way to start off the season for both of these teams. The Jets just lost their brand new Hall of Fame quarterback. And still won a football game against the Bills, who are supposed to be so good. Yeah, Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. Josh Allen is supposed to be, like, top three elite quarterbacks. Yeah. He looked like shit. He made Stephon Diggs look good. That's about it. Yeah. I mean, Jordan Whitehead for the, the Jets had all three picks, so I will shout him out. But Josh Allen could just not learn from his mistakes. You underthrow a guy three times to the same guy? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Just crazy. Yeah. But my my kicker did his job. Tyler Bash, three for three on field goals. Yep. I'll take it. But Garrett Wilson had a good game. Yeah, he did. Five five receptions, 34 yards, and a touchdown. Alan Lazard was really missing his quarterback. I'm, I, I was really excited to see what that duo was going was gonna to have this season. But if we got to talk about the Jets' defense, man, Quincy Williams was everywhere. 
Yeah, he was fantastic. And so was DJ yeah. Reed. Yeah, like that that defense looked good. Yeah. Like Shout said. out uh Florida State's own Jermaine Johnson getting a sack. You know, I guess I gotta shout out CJ Mosley. There you go. Big and you know, we always have to shout out Big Q. Quentin Williams yep. holding it down on the D line. Yep. We have to glaze sauce. So what was the coolest thing he did today? Or the coolest thing he did on Monday? Uh talk to sexy red before the game. Yeah, because he got burnt all day by Stephon no. Diggs. Or was he on Gabe Davis? I don't know, but I, I wouldn't say Diggs burned him. Like, there was a couple of times. Yeah, and, like, the first half, like, he was, uh, I think, all four targets that were just to Sauce, he yeah. had given up. So, Pretty brutal. It's a lot of hype around Sauce for him to come out like that. I think, it's, I think it's Sexy Red's fault. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Come on, give us a give us a little ski. Ski. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that's that. It. And that's um, it. that's enough that's talking. In my head now, that's bro. enough about talking to these games. <gasps> let's overreact. What? What's your? Let's just let's just get it get it started right now. What's your biggest overreaction? Uh, when I look at overreaction, is that the Cincinnati Bengals. Everybody's overreacting that they're just not it this year. I I I think that they'll bounce back and put up 50 next week. Yeah, they'll they'll be fine. But, um yeah. I think personally my biggest overreaction is that I think the Rams are going to be good. I, I don't know if I can trust that, but I just I feel it. I feel it because I thought the Seahawks were going to be good, but the Rams kicked their ass without Cooper Cup. Okay, so I, I'm just I'm sold now. I'm sold. All right. Well, you want you want my next overreaction? Yeah. It's that the Cleveland Browns are going to win their division after their showing. <laughs> okay. You just said the. That the Bengals are going to bounce back. <laughs> yeah, but the Browns are going to win the division. Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm going to say the Jets' season isn't over. Just because Zach Wilson's at the helm does not mean this team is done. Okay. What What the fuck is that? What? You, you nah, really I mean, think it's just done? Like all the rest yeah. of these players don't have an impact? Yeah. That's crazy. Zach Wilson teaches. Bro, they, they almost made the playoffs last year. Yeah. And then they improved in the offseason. Even without Rodgers, even Zach Wilson improved. Okay. I'll, we'll see. We'll see about week four how I'm feeling. Okay. But right now we're just talking about some I'm gonna just I'm going to just do it right now. I'm going to guarantee that Zach Wilson doesn't throw three picks in a game. Okay. <laughs> Josh Allen just did it. Oh, shit. Yeah, I guess you're right. So, I'll put my stamp on that. Zach Wilson's not throwing three picks. I got I got one. I got one for Luke right here. Okay. Pittsburgh Steelers under 500 season. So, we're looking at like 8 and 9 or like much worse? I will. Yeah. Much worse than 8 and 9. Okay. You heard it here first. Steelers, 0-17. 
I'm going to get a text later. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get a text in the morning being like, Colin, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, Bijan Robinson, rookie of the year. Is that an overreaction from week one? No. Okay, good. I like that. I'm good. I'm I'm good then. Um, yeah. Also, I think, I think, Falcons. I think... Falcons will be in the top half in sacks. Okay. After being, I think, worst last year. I'll throw. I'll throw that the Saints are going to take the NFC South. Okay. After a poor showing against Tennessee, they're going to take the South. Okay. <laughs> that's odd reasoning. <laughs> I gotta Just, say, that's you didn't really help yourself with that. No, I I meant to say like. Even like even though they had a rough showing against the Titans, okay, Derek Carr is gonna ball out this year, okay. And then once they get Kamara back, it's gonna play a big role. All right, uh, my final overreaction. Um, yeah, two is winning MVP. Wow. Yeah, I said it. I said if he can keep his head on his shoulders, he will win MVP. Wow. I, I'm man mean? enough to say it. Does that mean we get Tyreek Offensive Player of the Year? Probably, unless it's Jettas. Right now it's got. Right now it's Reek. It is. It is. Or I like Tua, it. Two is probably Offensive Player of the Year right now. Yeah, we'll see how long his brain stays intact. Exactly. Um. Wait, hey, Gray, are you taking the over or under one and a half concussions this year for Tua? Uh, just, you know, being a, hu- a, a human being looking out for another human being, I'm going to take the under. Okay. I don't want to hear your answer. I'm not answering. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to, okay. you know, there was a line, there was an, like an actual bet for that. You know, what's worse. Uh, let's talk about this. Cause you know, we were just talking about Monday night football. What the fuck DraftKings? Why, why are we putting out the never forget parlay? What is up with that? It literally, do you didn't see this? No, dude. DraftKings put out the never forget parlay, and it was betting on a Jets win, a Yankees win, and a Mets win on Monday night. That's so fucked. Why would you do that? Also, that is just such a loser. Like that is not yeah. gonna hit either. I'm fading the never forget. <laughs> then again, the Jets won, but still. I'm guessing, yeah. I'm guessing it didn't hit. Pro- it- oh, I don't know. I never, I never went and checked. <laughs> let so, me let me check that real quick. Maybe, maybe they were onto something. Let's see. I doubt the the fucking Mets won. Let's see. Yankees, Yankees, Yankees game got postponed. Oh, so it was a push, the Mets, and the Mets lost. Okay, that that makes me so feel yeah. Good. So yeah, DraftKings, don't do that shit. Yeah, what Come the on fuck? Now. All right, well, let's move on from football for a little bit. Let's talk MLB recap. I'll start it off with winners and losers, and um, we'll just get this thing going. Uh, Your first winner is the Atlanta Braves, our Atlanta Braves. They're the first team to clinch a playoff spot. The magic number is down to four to clinch the National League East. Yep, these guys right here. You see that? 7-0 against Houston in the clinching game. It's crazy. Um Austin Riley, yeah, Austin Riley's out here hitting little league home runs, a triple with an that, error. The um, man was flying though. Oh yeah, 
thick country was flying. Uh, Matt Olson is now at 50 home runs. He's one away from tying the franchise record. Uh, Ron Acuna is vastly approaching 40-70. He only needs four home runs and five stolen bases over the final 18 games of the season. And all is well in Braves country. Yeah. Living right now. Um, We actually won a game in extra innings, which is kind of nice. Against the Phillies, too. That's a big win. We honestly, we shouldn't have gone to extras. We shouldn't have given up a two-run home run to Bryce Harper in the bottom of the ninth. Um, but nonetheless, it gets it done. Phillies are playing great baseball right now. Yeah, and the thing is, is if we win the next two games in this series, which we play uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, then we clinch the NL East. We have the biggest lead over our second-place team in our division, uh, or the biggest lead over the second place team in any of the divisions. So uh, I believe we have 15 games on them. So yeah, we could, we could be clinching this division in the coming days. Yeah. And then, you know, it's really exciting. Yeah. Like the Braves look so good right now. Granted, I'm never going to another game where I don't wear good. my Atlanta Braves, Dallas Keuchel Jersey. Good. Cause that was horrible against the, Honestly, that whole series against the Cardinals was horrible. Yeah. Like, yeah, we did not brutal. look good. Like, we give we up just, a home We run. love losing to bad teams. Right? We gave it's, a them good their... thing, it's a good thing there's no bad teams in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we gave St. Louis their 60th win on the season. Yeah. And we gave up a home run to Mason Wynn, who couldn't hit the ball out of the infield before that. Yes. What? Uh, well, let's let's talk about a team that probably should have given their guy some some run support. Um, our next loser is somehow the Brewers. Oh. <laughs> Corbin Burns throws eight no hit shutout innings. He's relieved by Devin Williams, who also gave up no hits and no runs. But the Brewers hadn't put a run on the board themselves, so they head into extras. They take a no hitter into the eleventh inning when Oswaldo Cabrera singles. They score a run, and the Brewers eventually lose the game in the 13th. Corbin Burns, after that start, becomes just the third pitcher in MLB history and the first since 1955 to pitch eight-plus innings while giving up no runs or hits and watches his team lose. Yeah, but can we talk about that catch by Sam Frelick? Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, th- I thought they were about to get like hurt because they, like, collided hard yeah that was wild out there but no yeah brewers what are we doing yeah and if i'm corbin burns how mad are you with the hitters oh i go into the locker room and i raise hell yeah or i'm already gone before the game's over exactly i'd be in the clubhouse i'm out of the clubhouse i'm already on the way home (laughs) i'm in the player's parking lot like just breaking all of my teammates windows (laughs) what the but he was he looked so good on the mound. And yeah. Just just for his offense to just couldn't even get one run. Yeah. Well, my next winner is the guy that pitched the next day, Brandon Woodruff. Because he goes out following up this monstrosity of a game with a complete game shutout. Nine innings, six hits, seven strikeouts, one walk on hundred and six pitches. And oh yeah, he got twelve runs from his Brewers offense. And um if I'm Corbin Burns, I'm punching a hole through everybody in that lineup's face. Yeah. Like, like that. that's inexcusable. You you don't give the guy who's given a no a fucking toss and a no-hitter any run support 
all the way. They get a no hitter through eleven inning or into eleven innings. But Brandon Woodruff comes out, throws a complete game shutout, and you give him twelve fucking runs to work with. Yeah, you're telling me even in the uh, extra innings, you can't score a run. Yeah, but <laughs> exactly. Bunt the guy to third, and boom. Yeah, just hit the ball. It's That's fucking it. crazy. Uh, but let's keep it with pitching. Our next loser is uh, our good friend Alec Manoa. Yeah, uh, he got sent down to AAA, and it was confirmed. It was purely performance based. So he just didn't show up. They sent him to AAA, and he was just like, no. So this honestly, this all comes back to the fact that this is the worst contract season I've ever seen. This contract ends at the end of the season. And, like, plenty of guys have a bad year going into a contract negotiation. That's bad. But how many guys are getting sent down all the way to rookie ball after how bad they started? Then they come back up to the majors. Still look like shit. Then they get sent down because they suck. And then refuse to show up to AAA where they got sent down to. Yeah, see ya. Like, you're so done. Nobody's going to want to pick him up. Because, like, there's probably guys that just kind of eat it. They have bad performances, and then they go into the summer, and they're like, okay, I'm going to have to take a pay cut. But Alec Manoa was just a piece of shit all season and just tops it off with this bullshit. Just add him to the rotation over in Korea. Yeah. Trevor Bauer. He's got to be doing some recruiting. Yeah. Over there. Trevor Bauer's got some guys to pick up. Julio Urias is on the books. <laughs> yeah. You got Trevor Definitely. Bauer. You got Manoa. You got Urias. Who's yeah. next? Domingo Herman. Oh, yeah. If he can't, over there. you know, if he can't stop drinking in the clubhouse. I'm over there. Fuck it. Just cut Severino and throw him over there, too. Yeah. It's hot ass. That's true. Um, but let's move on. My next winner, uh, the Royals, because no one is better at losing than them. They reached 100 wins first. They beat the Athletics to 100, or sorry, 100 losses. Yeah, I, was about, I, was I said 100 to... wins. Oh, shit. No, definitely not 100 wins. They reached 100 losses first. They beat the A's to it, and there isn't even a team that's as good at winning as the Royals are at losing. Nobody's even at 100 wins yet. The Braves lead the league and wins at 95, or sorry, 94. It'll be 95 in a couple of hours. But at 94, and um, yeah, the, the Royals, elite losers. Just give them three years and they'll yeah. be good. They, lo- they never, lost never. so much, they made the winner's side of this. Remember what they said. Remember what I said, Gray. Give them three years. Okay. They're, they're going to be elite. All right, fair enough. Well, let's talk about water some time. Let's talk about this one. Uh, beach ball at Fenway is our next loser. Austin Hayes committed a hate crime on a ball on a, on a beach ball. Like, this ball was being bounced around in the stands, just fun, you know, whatever. Floats onto the field into foul territory. Austin Hayes runs over, fucking two footed, jumps up and spikes this ball with his cleats. It was so funny. Yeah, it just demolishes the ball to, uh, and then was showered in booze by the Red Sox fans. Keep your shit off the field. Yeah, keep your fucking beach ball off the field, and we won't have a problem. I never understood the fucking beach ball. I think it's the most annoying shit ever. Like, if I'm sitting there enjoying a, a, a game, I don't want a beach ball just floating around the stands. Yeah. Because then it just distracts me. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? It, it makes no sense to me. 
Hell, if, if someone throws it at me, I'm taking a key and I'm spiking that shit myself. <laughs> but yeah, it just That's like, funny. I get it at like a soccer game. Yeah. And shit, but it makes no sense at a baseball game. Yeah. Baseball, it's just like the stands aren't made for that kind of shit. Yeah. And like, like there there is no space between what is happening in the stands and what is happening on the field. Yeah, like at least in like a, a like at a football game, there's so much sidelines and everything. That like somebody's gonna get to that before it gets in the field of play. At a baseball field, it literally just has to drop over the side and it's in play. Yeah. So uh, yeah, stop bringing beach balls to to baseball games. Um, but if you're the Mariners, keep bringing Julio Rodriguez to baseball games. Um, he seems to do a good job in them. He's the second Mariners player to join the 30-30 club. He joins A-Rod, who had a 40-40 season back in 98 with this same team. And uh, Julio's now the third player in MLB history to join the 30-30 club at the age of 22 or younger, joining A-Rod, who had his 40-40 season uh, at age 22, Mike Trout back in 2012, and the one and only Ronald Acuna Jr. in 2019. Your NL MVP for 2023. Correct. But, yeah, great, I got a loser. Okay. I got a loser, and that's uh, a little a kid running on the field, like a high school-age kid running on the field at the Braves game. Yep. He, did you see the video? I, I heard about it. I haven't seen the video. The man thought it would be funny to, s- like, slip his shoes off and try to go out there and just run around. He thought he was going to make it to the other side. Tries to juke out of security guard in center field, slips, eats shit. Two security guards just nose tackle dive bombs <laughs> on him from both sides, and the kid's just like dead. Like he's got like a bloody nose Ugh. and everything. Everybody's like cheering on him as he's like sh- storming the field. Yeah, and I just like that shit pisses me off. It does. Uh, yeah, that that shit is obnoxious. Because you're never going to another. MLB game ever again. Nope. Like, you're you're stupid as fuck. Yeah. Like, that, why would you so do bad. that? It's and so he inter- he interrupted like a uh, a comeback inning for the Braves. Of course. We had runners on second, se- first and second, no outs. He does that shit, and then actually, you know, uh, Azuna strikes out, and then we ground into a double play. Yeah. And then inning over, and I'm just like, I'm so pissed. I look over to my buddy Max, and I'm just like. Yeah. Um, all right. I appreciate your your input there. Um, let's get to my next loser, which is Cole Reagans of the Royals. I was just talking about how good of an August this guy had. Then he goes and does this shit. One of the worst pitching sequences I've ever seen. You got runners on first and second, two outs, bottom of the sixth. He falls on the mound during his pitch and soars the pitch to the backstop. Both runners advance. Next pitch. Throws a wild pitch just straight up. Runner from third scores. Runner from second advances to third. Then goes to pitch. Falls down again on the mound and throws another wild pitch right past poor old Salvador Perez. And the runner scores from third and turns a 2-0 lead in the bottom of the sixth into a tied game. But he was just not having it. Yeah, not his day. Dude, it's, that, that was like, he looked like 50 Cent throwing the first pitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, it and like so it, What's bad. crazy, he was pretty consistent. He was hitting the same spot all three times. Right? 
Like, how do you do that three times in a row? Yeah, just absolutely like, ridiculous. It had to have been three different balls, too. Couldn't have been the same ball, so you can't no. blame it on the baseball. Nope. It wasn't raining. Nope. I don't like, know what happened, man. Brutal. The other pitcher wasn't complaining about the mound. Yeah, he obviously needed somebody to come out and fix the mound. Like, he should have called for that before the inning started. Probably had a bad divot down there where his plant foot was, and just his spike kept rolling. Maybe he needs new cleats. It still couldn't have been that bad to where you throw it that bad. Yeah, that's that's fair. Like, um, I get it. You're throwing like three, like outside a little bit. Yeah, but not thirty feet above the catcher. No, that's 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 fair. I'll give you that. Like, um, other news though. Uh, Bob Nightingale reported that the Angels are open to trading Mike Trout if he says he wants out. So that means he has to ask for a trade. (laughs) They're going to let you go? Yeah. He's gone. Yeah, like, look, there's there's no way that the Angels can rebuild while keeping him on the books. So, okay, let me ask you. Is there going to be a team that goes after Shohei and Trout? I don't think anybody has the the money to do that. I don't know. I, we'll see. There's some, there's some pinstripes that I usually always have that money. Okay. Well, they're already paying somebody quite a lot to play in the outfield and hit a lot of home runs. Could you imagine Judge Trout and Atani at the beginning of your lineup? I would shoot myself. <laughs> Luke Luke would be having a field day. Yeah, until they go fucking <laughs> until seventy. <Trout> hurt, <laughs> they get seventy until, wins. So Trout's hurt, Judge is hurt, and then Shohei's Tommy John. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah, that is exactly what would happen, too. <laughs> no, they'd have all those players, and fucking Luke and all the Yankees fans would still be like, well, fucking Billy McKinney sucks at left field. Why the fuck is he playing left field? Exactly. That's your manager's fault. <laughs> yeah, Boone, find a fucking left fielder. The John Boy guys already told you. It's all right. Boone won't be there much longer. No, I don't think so. Uh, but next thing, uh, Cubs number one prospect, Pete Crow Armstrong's getting the call up. Likely he'll be part of their playoff roster. He already got hosed at third last night. Yeah. Yep. But he got but he got smashed in the face. Yeah, that was brutal. Um, also, cool fun fact, his mom is the mom from the movie Little Big League. Actually? Yeah, his mom is the mom in that movie. What the fuck? Yeah, so 30 years after that movie came out, her actual son is playing in the major leagues. That's cool as fuck. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, Next thing, Jason Dominguez tours UCL and will miss the rest of the season. Ah, uh, see, he's not real. Told you. <laughs> he's <laughs> we not told real. You. All that shit was fake. This- Everyone was seeing the same dream we were. Yep. He didn't actually hit those home runs. You're going to wake up tomorrow and you're <laughs> be like, Jason who? Yeah. Never heard of him. But now, poor guy. Yeah, Man, that he, sucks. He, he finally got to the league. He was playing well. 20 years and old, then, too. Boom. And he said, like, he didn't feel any pain on, like, Sunday. And then by Wednesday, it's torn. He He's going to come back better than ever. Yeah. We'll see. It's gonna be it's gonna be more than just a hype. Yeah, he's really gonna contribute to those sixty wins they put up next year. <laughs> That's fucked up. That's a little fucked up. 
All right. Well, next thing's pretty fun. Uh, on his 40th birthday on Sunday, Joey Votto had the furthest hit ball across the entire MLB, 437 feet. Let's go. Still showing off the strength at 40. 37 ain't too bad. Yeah. Hey, if it's the hardest hit ball of the day on a Sunday, everybody's playing. Hardest hit ball or furthest? Furthest. Furthest hit ball. You'd think somebody would have passed that. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, some days you just don't have the long ball. Fair enough. You have Austin Riley who's doing it, just keeping it in the stands. Yeah. True. True. Uh, next thing though, Garrett Cole, the first pitcher in Yankees history with three seasons of 200 plus strikeouts. That's kind of surprising. You'd oh. think that the Yankees would have had a pitcher do this. Eh, not really. Cause back in the day you had your guys that they didn't really throw hard. They just pitched out. Yeah. yeah. Like they didn't they, like, really pitch- get strikeouts, but like there's some legendary guys that have pitched for that organization. Yeah. But, uh, no, like, Garrett Cole definitely, like, nowadays, like, the strikeouts are just more common. Yeah, like, every everybody that's really good is getting 200 strikeouts. Yeah, you have you have less guys who you have, you, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you lost it right there. That was brutal. Have, that was brutal have, to watch because I had to watch missed- your face. <laughs> <laughs> you have less guys who are pitching your ground balls and your fly yeah. balls, and you have more guys that are just trying to blow up past you with 103. Yep. So the strikeout numbers are going to keep going up, and you're going to keep having your guys like Kyle Schwarber and Stanton that are that in high 100s. Yeah. It's awful. Granted, Schwarber's got 40 fucking home runs. True. Um, but if you want to put it into perspective how bad the Texas Rangers have been recently, uh, namely their bullpen, um, you can you can hear this stat. The Rangers have a club record streak of 21 games in a row since a starting pitcher recorded a win. What? Yeah, 21 games in a row since their starting pitcher recorded a win. That would be Jordan Montgomery getting the win for Texas on August 15th. That's horrible. Yeah, and That's their so bullpen bad. is 100% at fault. Yeah, it's so bad. Yeah, they fucking suck. If we want to talk about bad bullpens, we can talk about Cleveland. True. Class A, he blew another save. Yeah. He, his record's 2-9, and nine, Gray. Ooh. Let's, let's look at the blown save leaderboard. Class A's got to be up there. He's got to be leading. Class A or Kinley? Yeah, it's Class A. Where's Kinley at on that list? Um, Not too high. So, Class A is 11... Uh, Bird for Colorado has nine. Kyle Finnegan has eight for Washington. Dude, another Cleveland reliever has seven. What? Yeah, Trevor uh, Steffen. That's that's insane. Shit. So Class A leads blown saves. Yeah. With how many? Uh, eleven. Two more than uh Bird. Uh, Jake no. Bird for the Rockies. The fact that he has 39 saves is wild. Yeah, that's the thing. He leads in saves and blown saves. Like, what? Yeah. I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. Nonetheless, uh, my final piece of news here, uh, Dodgers manager Dave Roberts was asked in a press conference about um, Julio Urias' locker being removed uh, because that happened. Let's go. And... 
They were asking if that means that the team has moved on, and he said, I think so. That's where we're at. There's not much for me to comment on the fact that it's just like I said on the first day. It's just, it's a very, very unfortunate, sad situation. Yeah, you got to open up that locker for someone else. Yeah. Look, if you're going to beat women, you're not going to play on the team. Because Julio Urias is not going to pick up another ball in the MLB ever again. Yeah, it's just a deplorable act. Scum of the earth. Genuinely. Shall we say it? Yes. Yep, scum of the earth of the week. Two-time in a row, Julio Urias. <laughs> um, Piece of shit. All right. Well, uh, any any news from you? Sorry, I almost skipped you. Not not really um, when you look at it. So, let's see. I want to I wanna break down this AL wild card okay. right now. Just... While we look well, actually, at it. Here, let's talk about it with our questions because we already we're already going to talk about the NL wild card. We'll talk about the AL wild card. Um, okay. Any other news that you have, and then we'll get into that stuff. Uh, no, we okay. covered pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. Perfect. So let's get into the MLB questions, and we'll just we'll start it off right where we're at. So let's start with the AL wild card um, first. Who gets the third spot? So third spot in the AL wild card. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna give it to the Mariners. Okay. Uh, yeah. I just don't think Texas is gonna hold on to it. And Seattle's playing well. Julio Rodriguez is playing well. So, and the pitching staff's looking better with Castillo, Kirby, yeah. Gilbert. They're all looking solid, like they can make a run in the in the postseason and here even late September. So, I'm gonna give that third spot to Seattle. Okay. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I don't see the Blue Jays losing their spots, the Rangers, and um, yeah. obviously the Rays aren't going anywhere. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to the Mariners as well. Uh, but yeah. on the National League side, who gets that third spot? Because it's still pretty close. Diamondbacks, voice crack. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> you know, sorry, great. You don't have to keep going. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to my original answer from last week. Okay. That we never got, that y'all never got to hear. That's true. So I'm sticking with the Diamondbacks. Good. Because I was in between Diamondbacks and Cincy. Cincy's taking a little bit of a drop. Yeah, two games back. Yeah, but I'm going Diamondbacks. They're starting to play better baseball. Yeah. Um, I don't. I I, I kind of want to agree because they are kind of getting back to it. But I kind of like the Giants. Really? Yeah. They're a team that just loves to turn up right at the end and just slide in, lose in the first round, and then their season's over. I just don't like that last series with the Dodgers. Yeah, they just, like, like I don't think they're going to be a force, but I, I feel like they have a relatively favorable schedule, Um, you know, heading into it. Like, they're playing the Guardians right now. They're coming off a three-game sweep of the Rockies, and they go into... They go Arizona. Okay, so it's it's tough to end. I forgot yeah. we talked about this. Because um, don't they have the Dodgers twice? Yeah, they got four games. So they got after Colorado's four-game series, which is after this Cleveland series. So that's very helpful. Yeah. But two versus Arizona, four versus the Dodgers, three versus San Diego, and then three versus the Dodgers. Yeah, that's a rough Yeah, but I think if you pick up out of the seven games against Los Angeles, if you can pick up two or three and you can get one off the Diamondbacks or two off the Diamondbacks, because I think they could, 
you could yeah. probably get three off San Diego. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Right. Yeah, I think if they succeed in those series, they'll have a strong showing in the postseason. Yeah, yeah. If they can show us like some decent pitching displays against the Diamondbacks and just a couple of the games against the Dodgers, I think they should not only get in, but probably have a, a decent chance at possibly giving, giving the, the Phillies a little run. Yeah, they'll be the Phillies from last year. Yeah. And they'll have they to run all the way to the World round. Series. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. For but sure. No, I like I like the Diamondbacks securing that third spot. Okay. Well, let's talk about this next one. If Mike Trout requests a trade, where do you want him to land? Oof. That's tough. But I'm I'm going to go with the team that you were just talking about. San Fran. Keeping him on the West. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that spot. And then if you were to not go San Fran, it's like, it's so weird, but I could see him going to Fenway. Hmm. Okay. I could see that. You know, the Red Sox uh, deal out, because what, their starting center, is it? I think it's Duval. Duval center? Yeah. And then Verdugo and right. Yep. Who's in the left? Um... I don't know. Let me let me pull it up real quick. But I could so see him playing. Oh, Yoshida is in left. I could honestly, I could see them getting rid of Verdugo. Yeah, letting one of them go to the corner, either him or Duvall. Yeah. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. Honestly, right. you, you give up, you give up Verdugo, and then probably they're probably gonna look for a young guy though, and. and yeah. I think Cassis would be a hard one to give up. I think you could give up Brian Bale. He's been yeah. decent, but not like game changing. He's somebody you can afford to let go. Yeah, and then there's probably another like guy that's still in the minors that you could give up. Yeah. Hear me out. So Red Sox, you know, they get Duvall out of there. They send Duvall back to the ATL. Oh, I like that. So you send Duvall back for some some of our prospects because we got a shit ton. Mm-hmm. Then you you use those prospects in the Mike Trout Mike Trout trade. I don't hate that. There we go. Yeah, I don't. We're I don't think we rolling. really need Duvall back. I would take him. Depends on what we do with Azuna. And Dep- it depends on what we have to give up. I'm not giving up top tier prospects for Adam Duvall now. No, no, I, I don't think we would have to. Okay. I think it would be like we could give up like a a Dylan Dodd. Maybe. Yeah. Or like a Dylan Lee situation. Yeah. But um because what's gonna happen with Azuna and Rosario after this year? True. You gotta think about that. I would take Duval in a heartbeat. We love Adam Duval in the ATL. Yeah, that's fair. Um I- I'd like to see Trout on the Mariners. Put him Oof. in right. Him and J Rod together? Yeah. Oof. I would love that. That's that's scary. Um I like Boston. I do. That's a good that's a good one. I just I, for some reason he fits. Yeah. That navy he's a, that navy he's blue east and red. Coast, he's an East Coast guy. Out of Philly, yeah. South Jersey. Like Yeah. Yeah. I think he'd like it. But like he's not gonna go to the, the Phillies. No. No, he's not going to the Phillies. Yeah. Maybe the yeah. Orioles. Yeah, but you got Cedric, Austin Hayes. 
And oh, you have, and you uh, have yeah, Holiday coming up, Heston Kerstad coming up, Colton yeah, Kowser. You'll, you'll be fine. They, <laughs> you don't need Mike Trout. Besides, they would have to give up. I think the Orioles would have to give up some big names to get Trout. Yeah, but that's because their whole fucking farm system is big names. Yeah, so Orioles don't need to move anybody. Correct. They don't. Also, they just brought John Means back up. He just finished his rehab assignment. Yeah. And he said that he's Starting down. tonight. Yeah, he said he's down to just move to the bullpen. Yeah. Why he he just something? wants to win a World Series. That's what he said. Exactly. So, And news came that Bautista might be back before postseason. Yeah. But I think if I'm the O's, I'm keeping him out. Yeah, for now. Making sure he gets 100% healthy. Yeah. So, like, your bullpen's not taking any hits without – Bautista in there, so yeah. let him come. Let him rehab until he's healthy. For sure, I think we could probably skip this next question because we kind of went through it. Uh, if you threw eight plus scoreless no hit innings and your team loses, how would you feel? Yeah, I'm fucking <laughs> killing somebody. Yeah, no, I'm I'm popping all of my teammates' tires. <laughs> fuck them. Yeah, I'm making them walk home. Yeah, good. Yeah, fuck them. Um, I do like this question though. What in your mind are the stats that you look for in a Cy Young winning pitcher? Okay, so wins and losses is a huge one. Okay, I I I'm, I don't I'm know taking, about that. I'm taking losses over wins. Kyle Gibson, <laughs> Kyle Gibson yeah. is the like the league leader in wins, and he has like a five ERA. Yeah, that's why I'm I'm taking losses. Okay, like it's not number one, but my top three like when I look at losses, ERA, WHIP, and then. It's not like a, a team impact category. Yeah. Like how much like are you quality contributing? Starts. Yeah, quality starts like contributing yeah. to wins and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I agree the- with that. I think a big thing to me is um, ERA, of course, is pretty important. Uh, whip is probably a better tell to me. Yeah. Just cause, look, if you're not letting guys get on base, that's yeah. that's huge. Um. I think the FIP is a big one. Fielding independent pitching is huge. Um, I think instead of ERA, I like expected ERA. Yeah. I think when a guy sets himself up to to even just look like he shouldn't be giving up runs, to pitch like he shouldn't be giving up runs is very important. If there's a precedent set for you to not go, like to go out there and not give up runs in a game, that's, that's a big part of this. And, um, so I, yeah, I think my, my top three, if I'm looking at it, it is whip FIP and expected ERA. I like that. I like it. So we, we can both agree that whip is yeah, pretty whip, important. Whip is super important. Cause it's literally just how many guys are you letting on base every inning? Yeah. Um, okay. all right. Our last one. Who's your favorite active closer to watch? Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah. But I'm probably, like, I'm still going Kimbrel. Ooh, okay. Okay. Like, I'm still going, just, like, so his stance is, you know, everybody loves the stance. You have fans that buy tickets, sit behind home plate. Whenever he comes on the mound, they just mirror him. Yeah. But I think it's just still his effectiveness to this day. He's been in the league for a while, and... I don't know. I just I've always liked the way he pitches. Yeah, I love. Well, of course, I love Craig Kimbrell, a Braves legend. Um, I would have said Classe 
if he would stop blowing saves. Um, yeah. I think I'm going to go with Camilo Duvall. What's better than a guy throwing with that kind of arm angle and throwing like 103 miles per hour? Yeah. Like he's and fun. You know, he is super fun to watch. I would I would say Bautista. Yeah. Is up there too. Just he looks force. Bautista. Yeah, it's just a monster. Big yeah. old boy coming down that hill. Yeah. Um but if we're doing all time um Mariano Rivera. Mariano Rivera. <laughs> yeah. Mariano Rivera. Like Hands I don't down, I don't even care about how he throws. Just show me him running onto the field. Yeah. Like Also shout out Alexis Diaz. He's also one that I like watching. Um cuz he doesn't he doesn't like throw high velocity. But his pitches, it's his arm angle and his release point makes the ball go 10 times faster because he literally throws on a flat plane straight. He doesn't throw downhill. So his pitches come in, and they look so much faster than they really are. I like that. So uh, I love watching Alexis Diaz. Also, fuck his brother. His brother's a bitch. But throw it back to Mariano Rivera. Yeah. Every once in a while, I just replay the image in my head of Derek Jeter and Andy Pettit walking out to the mound. Yeah. To get him. Yeah, for his, his final appearance. It's just like, the dude is so, he was so good. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to root for a Yankee, but he's one of the few that will always have a, a spot in my heart. Yep, to this day, the only unanimous Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Which, there should have been plenty of others, but the fucking Baseball Riders of America are bitches. Probably, yeah. They're... You'd think that, like, Hank Aaron <laughs> would be a first-time unanimous Hall of Famer. Yeah. <clears throat> Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, like, there's so many where it's just like, okay, come on. You're yeah, just, like, what, you're like, what are we petty. doing? Yeah. They were like, well, one time, one time he was mean to me. <laughs> <You're> like, <clears throat> I lost money because he didn't. Get his eighth strikeout of the game. <coughs> Bro, he, he had seven strikeouts in two innings. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Yeah, I, I have I said, to clear my throat. So. Yeah, you're good. I know I said two innings. Trust me, I meant two innings. Two innings, seven strikeouts. There was a pass ball, and he got on base. <laughs> he got seven strikeouts in two yeah. innings. Yeah, the baseball riders are pieces of shit. Um, so let's just talk, t- stop talking about their sport. Let's go down to the college level, college football, weekend recap. Honestly, like, it, it, there wasn't a lot of games this weekend, but um, a few games made up for that. Um, yeah, okay. But we're going to make you wait. We're going to make <laughs> you wait all the way to the end of the college football segment to talk about this. Let's start. Number 22, Colorado, takes on number uh, un- unranked. Never mind. Unranked Nebraska. They win it 36-14. Um this is just this is Dion. This is the Dion era at, at Colorado. Two and yeah, just goes two and zero. And it started off so slow. Like Nebraska yeah. re- looked like a a real contender against this Colorado team until like Colorado hit yeah. a field goal and it just opened it wide up somehow. Yeah, Sanders still looked good at quarterback. Oh yeah, Travis Hunter on defense was still good. It was. Uh, just, I'm, I'm interested to see where this uh, Deion Sanders team ends up at the end of the year. Yeah, agreed. Because they they don't have many like hard, like hard games left, if any, do they? Well, like they're gonna face USC. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that like that's about it. 
Well, they've got they've got Oregon USC back to back, and then they're gonna have to face okay. UCLA Oregon State back to back, and then they finish off their season Arizona Washington State Utah. For some reason, I thought that they didn't play uh, Oregon this year. No, they've, but no, they've got it's, them two it's okay. weeks from now. And they're, think, they're, think... the thing is, is they're at Oregon, at UCLA, at Washington State, at Utah. So is USC at Colorado? Yeah, yeah, that one's in that's gonna be That's going to be interesting. Yes, that's that's you think, nice. Um, you, think, but, you think Colorado can compete with yeah, USC? I think so. I, I think if... If Travis Hunter looks pretty good on defense and they could just keep using this high powered offense, like they're gonna be fine no matter what. Yeah. Um okay. just to talk about kind of the performances in this game, Shador Sanders, um, thirty one for forty two, three hundred ninety three yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Just fucking excellence from Shador Sanders from an HBCU. Um the rushing side, of course they didn't really run the ball. <laughs> Um, which uh, I'm going to, this is my one gripe uh, on Shador. He actually got sacked quite a few times in this game, um, which definitely hurt them. Um, but nonetheless, like they still won 36, 14, uh, a dominant re- really after the first quarter just opened up and, yeah, he um, got, he got sacked eight times. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. But also, like, they don't have the best offensive line, so I'm not that surprised. And, and, like, Nebraska has one of those just fucking Midwest, just physical defensive lines. Your corn-fed yeah. boys that get after it. Exactly. These guys have forearms like a corn stalk. They're throwing bays of hell. Hail. Nice. Hey. 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 Yeah. Yeah, wow. bays of hail. Nice. Bro, this How did this you mix is... up See, typically you would mix up the first letters. Instead, you got the first letters right and you mixed everything else up. This is a struggle today. Wow. Oh, um, we're, we're still pushing through. Well, somebody that didn't struggle was Xavier Weaver. He just continues to be fucking phenomenal for uh Shador. Uh 10 receptions, 170 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. And Travis Hunter, three receptions, seventy-three yards. Jesus. And I'm I'm pretty glad that that Travis wasn't like an integral part of the offense this week, because he he's gonna need the break. You can't run him 100 percent on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I expect him to be able to play the whole season. Yeah, like maybe you do that against an Oregon or against the USC, but like next week at Colorado State, they're not fucking like he doesn't even need to play offense. Yeah. Honestly, Shador probably doesn't even need to play, and they'd win. But yeah, but um, he's trying to get his Heisman numbers yeah, up. Exactly. Yeah, like the the guys on the defense for Colorado looked pretty good. They stepped up quite big in that first half. Um, like holding Nebraska scoreless in the first half was a, a pretty big accomplishment for an offense that gave up forty two points last week. Yeah. But let's move on. Uh, our next game: Notre Dame, NC State. Notre Dame just continues to look. Pretty goddamn good. They win it 45-24. And um overall, I'm just I'm I'm happy with what I've seen from Sam Hartman the most. Him and, and of course, um uh blanking on the name. I think it's Audric Estime. Yeah, I think you're right. Um just just beautiful games from from the both of them to start off this whole season. Like Hartman doesn't really have to do all that much, like attempting passes. Estimate moves him down the field so well. 14 carries, 134 yards, two touchdowns. But Hartman, 
on his side, 15 for 24, 286 yards, four touchdowns. Like, if he's getting it done in the red zone, that's really all that matters. Yeah, no, he's he's looking good. Yeah. And I think it's just it just plays into his experience. Like, he's the leading passer in ACC history. Yeah. Um, and now goes to Notre Dame in just kind of a different opportunity than he had at Wake Forest. Being in national prominence as the quarterback of Notre Dame is a big deal. And I think it's helping him draft-wise, like going into the draft. Yeah, maybe he is like a, a fifth-year, sixth-year guy. But we've seen those guys get drafted. So, um, you know, we'll have to see how this season plays out for him. But at the moment, um, I'm glad that Sam Hartman and Audrey uh, Estime are getting their praise. But let's give some praise to Marcus Freeman, the head coach. Like, last year he got shit on a lot, especially at the beginning when they were losing these tough games. But it seems like with these uh, few good additions in the transfer portal that this team has really turned it around. So so shout out to, to Marcus Freeman. His coaching's been great this year. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, like you said, everybody was fucking shitting on him last year. Yeah. Uh, I know a couple. I of know I was. And no, no, a couple uh, Notre Dame fans that were calling for his head. So yeah. glad to see that they turned real quick. Now that they're Definitely. winning games. Of course. Um, but, you know, I I could care less about Notre Dame, so we can move on. That's fair enough. Uh, well, I'm sure you care about this one. Miami upsets yeah. number twenty three Texas A and M. They take it forty eight thirty three. I called it. Yeah, I said did. I said Miami was gonna put a yeah. whooping on and the Maggies. Tyler Van Dyke put on a fucking QB clinic. Good lord, twenty-one for thirty, three hundred seventy-four yards and five touchdowns. Can he transfer? <laughs> yeah, to Alabama right now. Have him eligible next week. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just do a swap. You can get Jalen Milrow. We'll take and we'll Tyler take Buckner. Guy. Yeah, keep Ty. Keep I like Ty. I like Ty. You like Tyler yeah, Buckner now? No, Ty Simpson. Oh, 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 oh. Keep Sorry. Ty Simpson. Um, Connor Wegman didn't have a bad game. I'll give him that. 31 for 53, 336 yards, two touchdowns. The two interceptions pretty bad. The A&M defense just couldn't yeah, stop Miami. Yeah, like like we said, Off. Tyler Van Dyke was just killing them. Uh, Xavier Respago, I think. Restrepo? Restrepo. I heard somebody say it the other day. Six receptions, 126 yards, and then Jacoby George. A great name. Jacoby? <laughs> Fucking awesome. Uh, five receptions, 94 yards, three touchdowns. Colby Young, six receptions, 75 yards, one touchdown. And Isaiah Horton, one reception, 52 yards, and a touchdown. This offense was just burning Texas A&M over and over and over again. Secondaries did not know what to do. Yeah. Because they would feel like, uh, which, I mean, Miami's offense looked good because they were always distracting the safeties with the slants over the middle. Yeah. Uh, but yet still allowing your guy on the go route to get behind everybody. And then, boom, you have your 40 yard touchdowns, your 30 yard touchdowns, everything like that. Yeah. So, what are we thinking about Miami? This is a big win for them. They've started off 2-0, and but they definitely have some tough games coming down the stretch. Like, Do we think they could be like a, a, a top 25 team throughout the season, or do you think this is just going to kind of fall off when that schedule picks up? No, I, I could see them contending like, you know, uh, 18 to 25. Yeah. 
by the end of the season. Yeah, like um, they're they're pretty much sure to get the next two, Bethune Cookman and Temple. And then they go through a, a stretch of three that's not going to be easy, starting with Georgia Tech, and then you go to North Carolina, and then Clemson comes down to Miami. That's a tough stretch. And then obviously facing NC State and then Florida State back-to-back away from home is going to be a really tough stretch. I think I think the Georgia Tech one's going to be a walk in the park okay. for them. Uh, Clemson, I think they can give Clemson a real run for their money. Yeah, if this offense looks like this, like, yeah. We saw Duke expose Clemson's defense. I think we can see Miami easily. Yeah. And then on on the next note, did you see that they set Florida State-Clemson at noon? Yeah, which, okay, it's kind of nice. My dad's retirement party is that day. Um, So the game will be over before then, which he, he kind of appreciated. But at the same time, why the fuck are we playing at noon against Clemson? Yeah. That's that's a that's a 7:30 start if I've ever seen one. Yeah, congrats to your dad by the way. Yeah, I'm sure he'll appreciate it. Um I'm saying that like I'm not going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but our next one comes from UNC and App State. What oh, the fuck you, you, Game. You loved this game. Not not as did. much as I wanted to. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, this one had me stressing, for sure. Um, you know, obviously I didn't have money on it. Like, what? It's, yeah. I can't we do don't, that. Don't do that shit, guys. It ruins no. the sport. Yeah. It ruins the sport. Yeah, definitely. Um, but if you did have money on it and you did bet the over, um, it was a stressful night. But all things prevailed. Because there's nothing like North Carolina versus App State and high-scoring games and just madness. And this one was nothing short of madness. Just back and forth. Uh, no points in the first quarter. I thought my day was over. Um, <laughs> if you know, if I had, if there was money on the line. Um, and then they both score ten in the second quarter. And then they come out of the half. Seven points for App State. Ten for UNC. You know. Over 58 looks attainable at that point. And then fourth quarter comes around and they just keep fucking up. I I don't know what was going wrong in that fourth quarter where they just could not score. But App State scores 10, UNC ties it up and, or, or sorry, App State ties it up with a field goal. And then North Carolina marches all the way down. And if they would have hit the field goal, it only would have hit 57 as the point total. So it would have been the under on 58. And he kicks it, and as he goes, like, as they go to snap it, a late ice by the App State coach. And then he kicks the field goal still and misses, like, wide left. Like, so far left. So they come back out again. The coach is pissed. Because he was like, shit, if I didn't ice him, he still would have missed. He goes out. He goes to kick it again. Misses wide left again. They go to overtime. The over is still alive. And then they go into OT. UNC gets the gets a touchdown. App State comes back with another touchdown. And then North Carolina hits a touchdown. App State can't get it on their last possession. North Carolina wins it 40-34 to in overtime off the back of one of the best rushing performances I've seen this season by O'Marion Hampton. 26 carries, 234 yards, and three touchdowns. 
Absolutely ridiculous game to watch. I watched it front to back. 234 is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's like some Derrick Henry in college numbers. Yeah, like Drake May just it just didn't seem like he needed to do anything in this one. Like, Omarion Hampton totally carried. Like, Drake May only attempted 30 passes and only ran the ball 11 times. We typically see him try and carry this whole offense. Yeah, But like you said, he didn't need to. Yeah. And they still got the win, so... There you go. They go 2 and 0, right? Yeah, yeah they go they're now 2 and 0 with the win over uh, South Carolina week 1. But let's move on to the next one. Uh Ole Miss taking on Tulane, 20 versus 24 in that matchup and Ole Miss gets it done late. A late late victory. They win it 37-20, but it certainly was not as much of a of a, you know, margin as it as it looks in the scorebook because Tulane had them beat for a good amount of that first half. They were up uh, 17-10 at the half. Then Ole Miss just comes out firing. They get a touchdown in the third, but the fourth quarter, they put up 20 points, and uh, Tulane only hits a field goal in that fourth to make it 37-20, and just big comeback by Jackson Dart. Um, we still haven't seen Quinshawn Judkins started off yet I don't know I don't know what he's missing at the moment but it seems like the offensive line is probably the issue right now it's just not working but Jackson Dart is playing pretty well um and this defense has been great yeah I think I saw that they had a couple big key players in the O-line out so a couple yeah. freshmen were taking over so I think that's what's preventing the run game to really take off but I think if if Pratt's in this game for Tulane, this this game just goes totally different. Yeah, I agree. Michael Pratt is a game changer for this team, and and Kai Horton just couldn't uphold that that system for this game. Like he he he's not a quarterback that plays like Michael Pratt, so throwing thirty seven passes just didn't work for him, and, and that's why he went fifteen for thirty seven. Yeah, no, I I agree, but you know. I like what I saw from Jackson Dart in that yeah. second half. I think overall, the the two games he's played this year, I've seen a lot of improvements, at least in like his capabilities of like leading this offense. Yeah, and just his uh, his like knowledge, his yeah. IQ on what to do with the ball and when to do it, when to scramble, when to stay in the pocket. Everything it's looking a lot better than what we saw last year. Definitely, but let's do it. Let's let's talk about the marquee matchup from the weekend. Texas is fucking back, baby. Horns up. Get fucked, Colin. 34-24 Texas over number three Alabama. Colin, take the floor. So, first off, you're telling me we can't recruit a fucking center that knows how to snap the ball? Well, maybe you should recruit a quarterback that can throw it. I Honestly, I would take a center right now because two illegal snaps. Yep. Eight low snaps and two high snaps like what the fuck are yeah, we that's doing brutal. that's two weeks in a row that we've had to see Jalen Milrow try to do something with a ball on the ground like you are playing D1 SEC football and you don't know how to snap <laughs> the fucking ball like what are we doing yeah and then other than that like you said you know Jalen Milrow just my dad said something very funny. He said he looked like a young Jalen Hurts at Alabama. He doesn't know what to do with the ball when he gets it. 
He gets the ball and thinks he has to immediately start to scramble. He doesn't yeah. have his pocket awareness. He doesn't have his trust in wide receivers and everything like that. Alabama doesn't have a run game. Like, it's non-existent. We, yeah. Jay, we might as well just say, fuck you, Jace McCle- Chase McClellan. Go uh, find somewhere else to play. And then our secondary, what the fuck were we doing? <laughs> like, like, yeah, they have Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell. But come on, Quinn Ewers was throwing all day long. Yeah, 34 like, for we were, 38, 349, three touchdowns. We were getting burnt all game. I will say that catch by A.D. Mitchell was impressive as yes. fuck. Like, that was so good. But, no, it's like, so, third quarter, Alabama did a great job. Texas didn't score. We we scored 10 points. We had a touchdown and a field goal. Other than that, we sucked. Yeah, especially in the fourth. Yeah. Dude, what the fuck? Like, yeah. Jalen Milrow also has two... Yeah, right. Two picks. Yeah, two picks. One of them was right to the fucking guy. Oh yeah, it was like the easiest. We didn't have a we didn't have a receiver in the area. It was almost as bad as Deshaun Watson's pick that he threw this week. It was like Bryce Young. I was like the exact play that Bryce Young threw a pick on. Threw it right to the safety. Yeah. And I will say, I will give credit because that tight end from Texas knows how to fucking ball, bro. Like, I'm going to throw it out there. Texas is back. They whooped he our ass. He said it. He fucking yeah. said it. The Alabama fans said it. I know you guys can't see it on your screen. You can see the bottom corner of, of a little Alabama A right there on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you also have the helmet right here. Shit, you can't see any there. of it, man. Ah, fuck. But, yeah, no. I, Alabama fan right here. Texas looks good. Texas is back. Okay. So are we saying Texas is back like college football playoff contender, or are we saying Texas is back like 10 and 2? Texas is back like they will be in the top four at the end of this year. Okay. That's what that's what I'm thinking too. And they just it, was, it just seems like that's right. They're, they're gonna if they played this well against Alabama, even though it's a down year in the SEC and all that shit, they are going to wipe the floor with the rest of the Big Twelve. Yeah. And they're making their statement earlier, early, saying that they can they can hang in the SEC. Yeah, like they're gonna be a force to reckon with, and their recruiting class just keeps getting better and better every year. Sar- For sure, Sarke- Sarkeesian's doing a great job over there. Yeah, he is. And I bet it felt good for him to come in to Tuscaloosa, especially after we put their band in the top. Yeah, like he came in. Everybody's saying I will. Only one uh, on College Game Day. Only one person took Bama. Everybody was taken. Was it Everybody McAfee? Was taken. Yeah, no. I think it was I think it was Namath. Oh, Joe well, Namath. Yeah, that makes sense then. Yeah. Yeah, Joe Namath was the only one that took Bama. Yeah. I don't know. McAfee looked like he was having fun down there in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, until he started fucking praising Bo Nix. Then everybody wanted his head. That's fair. But no. Texas looked good. Okay. So good. I'm just, I'm glad that you can admit it. Like, yeah, it sucks that we lost. We don't have a quarterback right now that I can fully put trust in, but I'm not going to diss another team for playing really good. All right. It's not like, it's not like, it's not like Alabama came in and was just like, 
absolutely horrible. We yeah. had bright moments, but Texas just looked like a top four team in college football. All right. Hey, you heard it here first. Texas is back straight from the mouth of the Alabama fans. Um, all right, let's talk about the results from the other top teams. Um, just real quick, UGA beats Ball State 45-3 after a, an incredibly slow start to this game. Yeah. Uh, Mike Bobo needs to file for unemployment, and yeah, that's really it. They need to look for a new offensive coordinator. This offense just doesn't work. It doesn't. Yeah. Carson Beck is totally fine. 23 for 30, two touchdowns, one interception. Totally fine. The offense sucks. I think uh, next next game that they like have full trust in, that's like not a division game. I think they should give Brock Vandergriff a, a, like a shot. Yes, he he looked pretty rough in this one. We'll say that because he came in over two whatever. I want I want to see him start a game. Yeah, I need to see him play a whole fucking game. I hate to just, do I hate to say this, but like I I, I kind of want Carson Beck to just have like a like a minor injury that keeps him out for a week. That's, <laughs> that's it. That's, fucked up bro i just want brock to get his shot yeah but all i know is that if georgia comes out this slow when they start playing their division games it's gonna get interesting they've got south carolina next week in columbia yeah so if they come out slow and they can't score in the first quarter south carolina's gonna beat them yeah spencer rattlers looked very good in these first two games though they lost against unc he had a pretty good game yeah so yeah carson beck no hate to him, but it just seems like he can't command that offense right now. Yeah. And my problem is there's no run game at all. The run game yeah. fucking sucks. They don't know who to, like, make their dominant runner. They keep trying to, like, run, like, four different guys. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Um, And then, like, receiving, it's kind of like, yeah, Brock Bowers is there. He had one reception for three yards against Ball State. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, Lad McConkey, nothing. I don't even know if he's playing. It's it's so stupid because it this gives me like a, a Kansas City Chiefs vibe. Your tight end's your best fucking guy. Yeah. Give him the ball. Yep. Brock Bowers' play reminds me so much of Travis Kelsey. Yeah, it does. He, like when you watch so him versatile. run routes, when you watch him run routes, it's like you could take the G off the helmet, Bowers off the jersey. It looks like fucking Travis Kelsey. Yeah, one hundred percent. Uh, but number two, Michigan, they beat UNLV 35-7. And once again, this offense just looks slow. It, it's the yeah. same shit from week one. This Michigan offense is just not impressive. Yeah, better I, game by Blake Corum. Yes, but it just it, it does feel like it's because they're missing Harbaugh. I'll yeah. give him that. But One more week. Yeah, there's, week. Just, there's just something off with this offense. I, I, I know what you're getting at right now, Grayson. I know what you're getting at. Yeah. You don't think that they should be one and two. You think that they should be two and three. And go ahead and say it. You think FSU should be one. I'm just saying 66-13 versus Southern Miss. I, I don't disagree with you. FSU I, don't, I don't know if we should be number one. Look, Georgia, Michigan, they deserve their spot. Yeah. For now. But Yeah, for now. <laughs> Let's beat a real team because LSU sucks. So, you know, that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll beat a real team in the next couple of weeks, and Georgia's going to lose South Carolina, and Michigan's going to lose to Penn State. All will be right. Don't worry. I, yeah, I think if uh, if 
PGA loses South Carolina. Wait, does Michigan play Penn State this week? Uh, no, a couple of weeks. That's what I thought. I was like, if I, honestly, if UGA— It'll all run its course. Don't worry. If UGA loses this week, I think FSU should jump to one, Michigan State at two. Yeah, honestly, Texas at this is- point, the playoff is going to be Florida State, Texas, Penn State, fucking Notre Dame. Nah, you're, you're missing USC. USC nope. will be in before nope. Notre Dame. Fucking Colorado. <laughs> if, if, if Notre Dame's in the dude, in the no, I th- I genuinely do it. think I genuinely think that the entire Pac-12 is going to eat itself. <laughs> like like Oregon's going to beat USC, and then USC's going to beat Colorado, and then Washington's going to beat Oregon, and somebody's going to beat Wa- like they're all going to do it to themselves. And they're like, all just going to sit like eight to twenty. Yeah, they're all just like right yeah, there. they'll all be all the uh, up there at the top with like one or two losses. I could see some shit like that happening. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that brings us to number four, FSU. 66-13 versus Southern Miss, uh, a real football team, unlike Ball State. Um, yeah, look, um, we're fucking good. They're fucking not. <laughs> like, that's, that's Keon it. Keon Coleman. Keon Coleman is a dog. Didn't like okay. Nobody really had to do anything because all we had to do, Jordan Travis's job yesterday was this. He he just goes handoff every single time. We ran the ball thirty-seven times for three hundred and six yards. That's insane. Three zero six. So, did you see that hurdle though by Keon? Oh my god, dude! Overdose. But can somebody fucking teach Johnny Wilson how to catch the ball? For the yeah, love of God, have please. Have go train with Darius Tony. He, he needs to get a in. surgery to make his arms shorter. It's like, a, it's like, a, you remember Little Giants? Yeah. The little, yeah. The, like the tar. That's, yeah. that's some funny shit right there. Yeah, like, genuinely, Johnny Wilson needs help. He had zero receptions in this game. He got targeted like six times. Yikes. He just, he can't catch a ball that's under his head. I don't get it. I genuinely can't understand why he can't catch the ball, but he just can't. And Keon Coleman is luckily making up for it. Marqueston Douglas had a great 42-yard reception, but the the story of this one was the run game. Trey Benson, 9 carries, 79. Kaziah Holmes, 4 carries, 63 and a touchdown. Lawrence Toafili, 4 carries, 41 yards. Brock Glenn, I've never even heard of that fucking guy. 2 carries, 32 yards. Like, Jesus. Like, Jordan Travis did essentially nothing in this game. (laughs) 15 15 completions on 29 attempts, 175 yards, two touchdowns. Fucking Tate Rotomaker, who was just a bum, came in last year as a bum. Three for three, 73 yards, two touchdowns. Like, what the fuck? So what you're saying is that you like what you're seeing out of your, your Seminoles. How could I not? We beat number okay. five in week one. We just beat a decent team in Southern Miss, 66-13. to 13, And we gave up at the end. 100% yeah. gave up. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you know, Southern Miss, they got Frank Gore Jr. You shut him down. Yeah. Yeah. Frank Gore it's Jr. got shit on. Not hard to do. Yeah, Frank Gore Jr. is good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'd like to see him get some more passing attempts. That's what they did last year. They used to just have him throw passes. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, Florida State is so fucking good. Uh, and then, um, what happened to uh, what happened to Ohio State? Well, they 
once again had a shit game against a shit team. They beat Youngstown State 35-7. Kyle McCord is so bad. Yeah, he is brutal. Just just to watch him play. I don't even care what like his stats look like. Watching him play football pains me. I right, who are you taking? Kyle McCord or Cade Klubnik? Ugh. Uh probably Klubnik because they put up like they had a, a pretty good game against Charleston Southern. Yeah, they blew the fuck out of Charleston Southern. My prediction yeah. went sideways so quick. <laughs> Didn't LSU take their anger out as well? Yeah. Against they put Grambling. Up like 70 against Grambling or something? Yeah. It was yeah, it was rough. Mean. That is mean. Um yeah, Kyle McCord. Uh yeah, a shitter. Fourteen for twenty, two fifty eight, three touchdowns. Like that's a good showing, but doesn't mean anything because it was against the Youngstown State Penguins. The Penguins, bro. Yeah. That's yeah. That's nothing. Sick. Nothing screams Youngstown, Ohio, like fucking Penguins. Bro, I would fuck. love to play for a college and their team mascots a penguin. Yeah, that would like, be sick that's... as fuck. You'd you'd be watching uh, what's that movie, Mister Mister Popper's Penguins. <laughs> you think they all have free accounts to Club Penguin? Oh, I hope. That'd be sick. All right, we're not talking about this shit. Okay, yeah. Enough Penguin talk. Um, let's talk about the AP. All Penguins. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, my the, God. The all Penguins poll uh, updated this week, and uh looks good to me. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. It looks fantastic in my eyes. Um, Georgia and Michigan stay at one and two. Florida State moves up to three, taking Alabama's spot. Texas moves up seven to number four. They jump uh, USC, who moves up one spot to, to five. Ohio State again drops after a, a bad offensive performance. Penn State, for some reason, hasn't jumped Ohio State, which I think should 100% happen. But Penn State, Washington stays stationary, seven and eight. Notre Dame moves up to nine, one just one spot. Alabama drops seven, all the way down to number ten. Tennessee, after a brutal showing against Austin P, dropped down two spots. Uh, Utah, Oregon, LSU, Kansas State, Oregon State, all stationary from twelve to sixteen. Ole Miss goes up three with their ranked win against Tulane, up to 17. Colorado, big win over Nebraska, puts them up four more spots, up to 18. Oklahoma drops down one after a kind of a slow showing there at 19. Uh, North Carolina drops down three after going to OT with App State. They move to 20. Then Duke, Miami, Washington State, and UCLA all make their move into the top 25. Um, Yeah, I'm... I'm cool with this. Uh, and Colorado. Iowa, Iowa also made it into the top twenty-five. Colorado keeps climbing. Yep, keep climbing. But uh, no, yeah, it looks good. I think Alabama's right where they deserve to be. Yeah, I think ten is fitting. Yeah, and I think all right. So I'm gonna say this: if you're Alabama, your season's not over. If you yeah. lose a game, that was the game to lose. Agreed. You still have a shot, a very small shot. To make it back into that playoff, you got you can't lose another game. Agreed. You win out, you win the SEC championship, boom, and you just pray, Georgia, that they'll have two losses and be out. You gotta pray for people like Michigan. You gotta pray that nobody from the Big Ten is gonna be in there. Yeah, which I'm kind of. I, I feel a like good chance. I feel like the 
the team with the best like way to get in is Penn State. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. So I think I think there's two certainties for me on teams that will end their season and the top four, and that's Florida State at one and Texas at two. Okay. Honestly, I I think that will be the I'm one. I'm down. Two. I'm down, man. You see my nose thing right here. You know I'm down for it. And I had them horns up. We're not done yet. Wrong. We're not done yet. <laughs> you are 100% done. Uh, Probably. We're but, also done know, like- talking about the AP poll. Let's talk about next week's best matchups. Not, I don't think there is one. I'll, I'll go ahead and say there's not a best matchup of next week. It sucks. I guess you could really you could say South Carolina, Georgia. Yeah, that's maybe like yeah, LSU, uh, Mississippi State. I guess you got Tennessee, Florida. That'll be interesting. Yeah, that's probably the best. I don't know, I'm sure throw it out there. South Florida, Alabama. It's gonna be a crazy game. <laughs> yeah, you guys are gonna lose again. If we lose, I'm I might I like I can't say it on the podcast, but I'm gonna be upset. Yeah, and then like game day is at Colorado State, Colorado. Yeah, how about Ole Miss and Georgia Tech? Ole Miss is gonna stomp them. Yeah, it's gonna be ugly. Yeah. Would you say game day is at Columbia? No, Colorado State, Colorado. In Boulder. Why the, why the fuck is that game day? Uh, maybe because Deion Sanders is fucking there. Yeah, but it's just like. Yo, this Rand, is the I only feel, week they could get away yeah. with it. That's the thing. I, I feel like, here we go. Every week we talk about the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. We're talking yeah. about them again. They got Oregon this week. They have two losses. <laughs> They're not beating Oregon. Yeah, but I just got to mention, mention okay. them, you know? Fair enough. TCU Houston might be pretty good. Yeah, I agree. That's really about it. Yeah, this this week games. fucking sucks, dude. Yeah, this is an I, week is four. An week four though is the week. Yeah, so many good matchups in week four. So, um, of course you're gonna watch. You're still gonna inevitably. We're all pieces of shit. We're all gonna watch these games on Saturday this week and just just be okay with that. We're all gonna yeah. watch UAB or sorry, that's that's week four. Um, we're I'll all gonna a, watch we'll South Carolina. Southern Wisconsin. We're just Southern Wisconsin. Hell That's yeah. what I'm gonna watch. Fuck yeah, dude! Upset alert. But, yeah, no. Twelve o'clock game to watch. LSU Mississippi State. Yeah. Then we then we go to three thirty, Georgia South Carolina. And it's actually in Athens. It's not in Columbia. Oh. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's Georgia's I, favored by twenty seven and a half. Yeah. I'd probably or, I'd probably take South Carolina to cover that. Yeah, I don't know. We 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 don't bet on that though. No, no, of course not. We we live in Georgia, and I'm underage. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Uh, what what else we got? So that's the three thirty game, and then Washington, Michigan State. Then again, Michigan State. Their head coach just got fired because he was having phone yeah. sex. I'm not. You got Un- Southern Miss consensual phone check phone sex. I think Southern Miss Tulane. Yeah, that one might be good. I don't know. That's all right. We'll jump down to the seven o'clock game, and you got Tennessee, Florida. Yeah, this and fucking then, sucks. Yeah, that's about it. And you can round you, you can round it out at eleven o'clock at night with Arizona and UTEP. Yeah, I'm good. I'm gonna round it out by going to bed. Nah, I gotta prep for uh, fantasy football that day. You have to prep for fantasy football. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You heard me. 
Fair enough. All right. Well, um, I think we've made plenty of hot takes in this episode. You got one more in you? Oh, do I? All right. Well, then let's stake our claim. Stake your claim. All right. So you're your college football national champion this year. Florida State Seminoles. It's going to be the Texas Longhorns. All right. Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell. Fine by me. We're going to beat Florida State on a, off a game-winning field goal from your Brett Auburn. All right. There you go. Do you believe that, actually? Honestly, yes. Okay. Who wins Heisman in that scenario where Texas wins the national championship? Heisman? Ah, dude. So, SEC is shit. All my picks for Heisman, so it's not going to be anybody from the SEC this year. Yep. I think your room, is your your final three. Four. Is it four? Yeah. Um... You got Jordan Travis. I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna put Quinn Ewers in there. Good. Um, Travis Hunter and Sanders. Oh, okay. So your Heisman pick is already out. What? You picked Caleb Williams to win the Heisman. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, my Heisman pick's already out. <laughs> All right. Well, um. I'm trying to think what I want to talk. I feel like I got to go NFL uh, with my take. Um, I, wanted, I wanted to, but did enough overreactions. Over yeah, there. I already kind of used up my Zach Wilson hot take. I think, I think Josh Allen's not going to make the Pro Bowl. That's it? That's all you got? Yeah, that's all I got. Josh Allen's not making the Pro Bowl. Three quarterbacks ahead of him will be Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, who will bounce back, and Deshaun Watson. Okay. And then, Luke, just for you, Pittsburgh's not winning more than three games. <laughs> yep, I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a fantastic episode, pushing three hours. Wow. Yeah. The NFL, maybe, I think we'll shorten that up a little bit. Um, hey, we're back, baby. Yeah, we're but back. we're back. Football's back. Baseball's so back. Like everything is in <laughs> full swing, and um, so are we. We're we're in mid-season form already. So, uh, if you want to keep up with us, of course you're watching on YouTube right now. So you're liking, subscribing, commenting simultaneously while watching us and listening. Um, and then what you'll do is you'll go over to that link on the banner on the YouTube video or on the YouTube channel, and you're going to click that link, and you're going to go to each of our social medias that are all down here at the bottom, and you're going to follow them. Uh, and then you're going to stay all up to date on every single thing that we do on Second and Short, whether it's a YouTube video that we post, whether it's an Instagram clip, a TikTok clip, a YouTube short, whatever it is, you're up to date. But if you're listening on audio and you can't see me pointing into the camera at you, then you need to follow us on the podcast platforms, leave us a five-star review, and then head over to YouTube. Subscribe there and make sure you don't miss anything as well. So with that being said, Colin, this was a fantastic episode. We won't see you next week. You'll be no, at the beach. We're getting Luke be, for three episodes in a row. Unfortunately, I will be on vacation. Because these guys just these guys take vacations. It's crazy. You know, 
gotta take the mental health days when you can, all right? Boo, fuck. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. Um, <laughs> But, look, we're, we're letting Colin off the leash for a couple of weeks. And then I'll be back, re-energized, ready to rock and roll. Okay. Not rock and load today. Good. We're ready to yeah. rock and roll. I'm, I'm glad we're not rocking and loading. So just so y'all know, I caught so much shit <laughs> at work from that. So yeah, it's well deserved. Uh, but nonetheless, guys, um, I'll catch y'all later this week with Luke, and then uh, yeah, it's it's me and Luke for the next three episodes. So uh, lock in. You're about to hear a lot about fucking soccer. All right, we'll see y'all next week, Colin. We'll see you in. Two weeks. Two weeks, baby. Two weeks. And um ready to cover uh week four. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. We'll see y'all later. Peace. Later.